Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. tonight on February 23rd, 2015, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, and I'm giving you some information about vinegar for for the start of my show, and I'll probably stick with that tonight. But um, anyway, I'm going to give you that recipe again for the Four Thieves Vinegar, and so this this uh, 
you know, legend has it that it was discovered um, during a devastating bubonic plague, and apparently, you know, there was these four thieves, and they safely ransacked empty plague-ridden houses, and, you know, everybody was dying all around due to this plague, and so the French judges in Marseille wondered how they had resisted the plague, especially since they were in and out of these homes that the plague had, you know, killed all these other people. And they said, we drink and wash with this vinegar preparation every few hours. So they drank it and they washed with it. So they used it topically on their bodies and they also drank it. So I don't know the real deal. I don't know if they... um you know, I don't know their recipe back then. So all, all this is, is, you know, it's a legend, but, you know, it could probably be true. It probably is true. And so according to this recipe, um, externally it may be used in small proportions in a bath or diluted, meaning water added to it for body wash. So for washing the body, water should be added to this recipe because the herbs are very strong. And, you know, ordinarily you can use apple cider vinegar. I would definitely stick with the organic raw kind, like with the Bragg brand or Solana Gold, something like that with the mother, because it's not healthy to use, you know, the kind that's been pasteurized or the kind that has been, you know, the apple trees, the apples have been grown with chemical fertilizers or, you know, um, chemical pesticides have been used and sprayed on the apples, etc. Plus, there's the GMO factor. So, you're using this to combat this terrible plague and, and plagues and things that are very terrible like this, you know, and I would think, you know, it would work for lots of other things too, illnesses, etc. But, um, you know, because vinegar is great because it's, it gets rid of almost everything. I mean, it's antibacterial, it's antiviral, antifungal, et cetera, okay, and a lot of other stuff. So, and then you've got the garlic in there, which is the same. It has all those same properties, you know, antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral. So, it works for viruses, for bad bacterial infections, viral infections, and fungal infections and fungus, you know, and yeast and all these things, you know. So mold and mildew as well. Vinegar gets rid of that. So, um, you know, it's a great disinfectant and cleanser, but, you know, the good kind of apple cider vinegar, like I tell you about, like Bragg brand, which you could go to Bragg, B-R-A-G-G dot com or Solana, S-O-L-A-N-A, Gold, like the color gold, like gold bullion, G-O-L-D, SolanaGold.com. Those are two good brands that Frank and I definitely use and buy. So, you you know, those would be good to, to purchase. And I would definitely stick to getting those in a glass bottle. But so this vinegar, according to the legend, you know, which a lot of people have heard of this, and they still use this this recipe and other recipes, you know, based on it being like the vinegar that the four thieves used in in France. So 
anyway, in return for giving the recipe, the thieves were given their freedom, according to the legend. And so this is a very simple recipe from this Virginia housewife. It came from a notebook of hers, and she combined a handful of each of the anti-disease herbs and steeped them in apple cider vinegar. And that's traditional for um, herbalists to do, you know, when when they make tinctures, uh, tinctures, however you say it. <laughs> um, they they use vinegar a lot of the time because they can't always use alcohol. Sorry about the noise. I'm, I'm having to literally. These cats are, this cat is driving me crazy, and my mouth smells bad. So yeah, sometimes instead of using alcohol, you know, the herbs need different things you know, to extract the goodness out of them, the medicinal qualities out of them. So sometimes alcohol is used a lot of the time. In fact, alcohol is used, um, vodka or grain alcohol, et cetera. And grain alcohol, you know, is diluted with water when that's used normally. But other times they'll use vinegar, you know, and if they're smart, they're using the right kind of vinegar. I'm hoping an herbalist would know. And anybody that does that will not use distilled vinegar. That would be not good for you. And according to um, one of the books that I've been sharing with y'all, um, the distilled vinegar is really bad for us. And um, Dr. Norman Walker, um, the the book I have been telling you about, you know, and sharing with you about juicing, he says in that book that distilled vinegar causes um, a lot of problems for us. So um, it's very bad for our health. So we shouldn't use that in our own our bodies or for our animals either, you know, in their water or food or on their bodies or anything like that. So that's why I just try to remind you, you know, and that goes for making this preparation. You know, you're going to want the good kind of apple cider vinegar. So stick to, like, a good brand, like Bragg brand or Solana Gold, and don't get the kind in the plastic containers because that vinegar is pretty much, I think, nobody ever brings this up. I've never seen anybody bring it up anywhere or heard anybody talk about it, but just I think it's safe to go with the glass because that plastic, all the chemicals in it can be leached out by the strong acidic vinegar. So you don't want those plastic chemicals, petrochemicals, etc., you know, or any other thing that's bad in that plastic to get into the vinegar because this is something that's supposed to be for your health, you know, not bad for your health. So that's why you want to use the right kind of vinegar and make sure and get it in a glass bottle. And vinegar probably will last forever. You just have to keep it out of the sun. You know, it'd probably be good to store it in the dark, in a dark cabinet. And that goes for, you know, tinctures and, um, you know, stuff like that too. Um, You know, yes, they'll have a date on them for the expiration date. I'm sure the FDA requires that if they're for sale. But technically, they're probably kind of last indefinitely, and the same goes for vinegar. Even though there is expiration dates on these bottles and stuff, I think by law there has to be. But from everything I've read and researched, you know, 
they're just going to keep working well. And honey is the same thing. Honey is another medicinal thing, great for your health, except for don't give it to babies, um, any babies, you know, younger than a year. Okay, that's very important to know. But, you know, and, and to use the right kind of honey, the raw kind of honey for medicinal purposes, and organic would be the best for medicinal purposes. Just like when you obtain the herbs to use for this recipe, you know, you're going to get a lot better results health-wise if you're using the organic. You don't want to use the kind that have been subjected to pesticides or, you know, that have been grown with chemical fertilizers and things like that. So, you know, for your for your health, you need to make an investment in your health. So it may cost you a little bit more money, but, hey, maybe the kind that have been contaminated with chemical fertilizers and grown in depleted soils, you know, without the proper minerals and, um, you know, all these things, um, genetically modified organisms, you know, when it's not organic, that, that could be in there. I'm not saying for these herbs, you know, but I'm just saying in general. Um, and the same thing with the, you know, the, the chemical pesticides. So you don't want to be drinking or using chemical pesticides on your body. Think about it. So, you know, just pay a little bit more and do what's best for you and yours and get the organic stuff, you know, or grow it yourself. And when you get the plants, if, if you get them from a nursery, you know, and you can find the herbs growing already, make sure they say they're organic. Or if you get the seed packets or the seeds, make sure that they're organic seeds. So the recipe I gave you already, so two quarts apple cider vinegar, two tablespoons lavender, two tablespoons rosemary, two tablespoons sage, two tablespoons wormwood, two tablespoons rue, two tablespoons mint, and two tablespoons of garlic buds. And then the directions are, this is the vinegar of the four thieves recipe to combat, you know, plagues, basically. The bubonic plague is is what legend has it. This type of recipe was used for, so. So then combine the dried herbs except the garlic, so all the herbs except for the garlic, and steep those herbs in the vinegar in the sun for two weeks. So don't put the garlic in at that point. Just all the other herbs go in the vinegar. And then steep it, let it sit, let those herbs stay in the vinegar in the sun for two weeks. And strain, strain this, you know, the vinegar with the herbs in it with a a fine strainer, um, you know, like a sieve or something like that. And also I've read things like, you know, it'd be best if it was organic cotton, but I've read things like, well, T-shirts can be used and, you know, um, that's what Richard Schultz uses, Dr. Richard Schultz, the herbalist. Um, And then always label whatever it is, you know, that you've made, and like he says, if it's not labeled, it gets thrown out because that's that's dangerous. You know, you have to make sure and label everything because otherwise it could be dangerous because then you don't even know for sure what's in that container. So always make sure immediately, you know, even before you make this, 
to put a label on the container. And he always tells you, you know, to write the date, to write the recipe. So that would be good to have, like, a big enough label to where you could write down, the, you know, everything that went into the recipe so that you're, you'll be sure about it. And the date, you know, that you basically put everything into the, the, the vinegar, you know, and then maybe some directions even as to what to do. So, and then that way there's no, you know, confusion by anybody about what it is, what's in it, what it's for. That's another good thing to put on it, what it's for and the name of the recipe, you know, what it can be used for. And that way, you know, if anybody does happen to come upon it or something, you know, they're going to know what it is and how to use it, what the name of it is, what it's for, all these different things, and what what the ingredients are, et cetera. So that's just a little thing I learned from Dr. Richard Schultz about, you know, how to label stuff. And so after it's drained and rebottled and labeled, then that at that point is when the garlic buds, two tablespoons of those are added. So, and then uh, it says here, add several cloves of garlic. So it says here, two tablespoons. Um, But this just says several cloves. So, you know, that's, I guess, I mean, I probably wouldn't put too much, but some people might add more garlic because then it's going to make it even more potent, you know, and garlic is something really good to get rid of illnesses and different things and to heal the body. Um, one lady, you know, she she ate a lot of garlic, um, the actual cloves, she ate almost 50 of them in a day for several days to heal a lung infection so bad that all the so-called top doctors she went to, the allopathic kind, they told her there's nothing they could do for her, and she was going to die. And she had had this lung infection for years. So I've told her the story before, but um, it was a story from Dr. Richard Schultz. I learned it from him. And so, you know, the lady, I believe, consulted him about what to do, and he suggested she use garlic, raw garlic. So she kind of chose herself how much to take. You know, he, he said he wouldn't have even told her to take so much, but she did. She she ate something like 48 cloves or so um, per day for several days. And in three days' time, her lung infection was completely gone. So that just shows you right there, you know, that, you know, how wonderful and healing garlic is, and it has saved people's lives before, you know, used as poultices and things like that, I've told you, so they have put it on the bottom of the feet of a young boy and saved his life, Dr. John, um, Dr. Christopher did that, and that was Dr. Schultz's teacher and mentor, so, you know, he went out to this house and made a house call, and and they ended up, you know, having to get water out of the back of the toilet tank because I think the pipes were frozen or something. So, you know, it was winter time and they didn't have any water. And so they were smart enough to do that. And they made a poultice and they put it on the bottom of the child's 
feet, and he was, like, near death, I believe. And it it got, it drew out the infection and saved that child's life. So I know garlic, I'm not sure. There may have been some other ingredients in it, you know, probably. But garlic was definitely one of the strongest things they used to pull that infection out of him. So um, after the, you know, the herbs have been added to the vinegar and it's been steeped in the sun for two weeks. Always use a glass container with a lid and strain and rebottle it. Then, you know, put it through a sieve or something like that to strain it. Or Dr. Schultz used a T-shirt, but I, I think, you know, a strainer would probably be better, like a stainless steel one that's really fine because of cotton not being organic, you know. It's genetically modified, so. Um, And then label it, label the container. I'd probably label it to begin with before I even put anything in there. And then add several cloves of garlic, and the recipe calls for two tablespoons. Um, And then just uh, close the lid again, and when the garlic has steeped for several days, drain it out. Then melt the paraffin wax around the lid to preserve the contents or add four ounces of glycerin for preservation. So it needs to be preserved either with melted paraffin wax around the lid to preserve the contents or four ounces of glycerin should be added for preservation. And that's another thing that herbalists use is glycerin. Um, when they don't use the alcohol and they don't use the vinegar, you know, other times they'll use glycerin. And it's usually for somebody that doesn't want alcohol in their tincture um, or for a child, for instance. They'll use vinegar a lot of the time. So so that's another thing they use to prepare those. And then the dosage is internally... Remember, the four thieves said that they took it internally and they washed with it every few hours during this devastating bubonic plague in France. And so, you know, it was probably going to protect you and yours better, you know, if it's taken internally and used topically on the body to wash with, like in the shower, you know. Um so externally, the vinegar may be used in small proportions in a bath. So it can be added to bath water, too, the recipe, you know, as it is when it's finished. Or it can be diluted with water, so water can be added to it for a body wash. And, you know, don't use fluoridated water or water with chlorine or anything like that or harmful, you know, bad stuff in it. You know, I would try to use the best kind of water you can get, like filtered water, hopefully, um, and then also it says, you know, normally you can use the apple cider vinegar in an undiluted state, like on your skin, um, although a lot of people do mix water with it and dilute it, you know, when they're going to use it on their skin, but either way it can be used, and, but the recipe says, you know, it's too strong with the herbs in it for the skin. So it, water must be added to it if used on the skin. 
so internally, taken internally as, you know, medicine, the safest, most effective dose is a teaspoon at a time in water. So just it can be added to water a teaspoon at a time. And I would use a regular measuring spoon to measure it versus using a regular teaspoon because teaspoons come in different sizes, you know, like the kind we eat with. So that's not going to be, you know, an accurate measurement. So you would want to use a measuring spoon always. And so the effective dose, the most safest internally inside the body taken as medicine would be a teaspoon at a time in water. So take a teaspoon, measure this vinegar and herb solution, you know, out in the teaspoon and then add that to the water. So we'll be right back. No more than a tea, a tablespoon an hour, by the way. We'll be right back. But I...
countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply.
you know, it's always supposed to be diluted in water. So I don't know what I might do when the time comes. You never know until the time comes. And But, you know, normally it's diluted in water either way. Topically, you know, with this recipe, with all the herbs in it and everything, it should be diluted in water to be used on the body topically or in the body. Then um, there's also another recipe in this book here for this is a modern anti-epidemic vinegar. So here's the recipe for that. Um, this is one quart of apple cider vinegar. Remember, you would want to use Bragg or Solana Gold or a good brand of the organic raw apple cider vinegar in a glass bottle and make sure it says it has the mother or veil of the mother. It may say either of those, either veil, V-E-I-L, of the mother, M-O-T-H-E-R, or just it will say, you know, with the mother because that's the good, you know, the good substance in there. And when you shake the bottle, you'll see things floating around in it, and that's the mother. Um, that's the stuff that's really good for you. So, you know, don't be alarmed if you see things floating around in the vinegar. That's normal. And so one quart of that, make sure it's in a glass bottle, the vinegar that is, you know, when you buy it at the store or wherever. Um, or if you make it yourself, you know, put it in a glass container. So one quart of apple cider vinegar, one pound of garlic buds for eight ounces of juice. So if you want to know how to do that, I would look it up online, how to get eight ounces of juice. But they say, you know, it takes a pound, and they're calling it garlic buds, but that's just the garlic cloves. So, you know, a pound of those. And I would definitely using, be using organic ingredients. Um so one pound of garlic buds for eight ounces of juice, eight ounces of comfrey root, the root, remember, eight ounces of comfrey root, four ounces of oak bark, so the bark from an oak tree, four ounces of that, and it's supposed to have a lot of tannins in there, according to Dr. Richard Schultz, and uh, he's I remember him saying the best kind is, I think, where the knot is on the tree. And it'll have more tans in there. So, you know, if you're obtaining it yourself, you know, I would probably try to get it, if you can find a knot on an oak tree, um, get the bark from that area. And then four ounces of marshmallow root. So... Four ounces of that, marshmallow root, four ounces of mullein flowers, and that's M-U-L-L-E-I-N, flowers, the flowers, four ounces of those, four ounces of rosemary flowers, so not the green part, but the flowers, four ounces of rosemary flowers, four ounces of lavender flowers, so the flowers from the lavender plant, um, four ounces of that. And four ounces of wormwood, four ounces of black walnut leaves, the leaves of the black walnut tree, four ounces of those. And the black walnut hole, the, the inside part, I believe, I think it's sticky. That's the stuff that's really good for parasites, I believe. Um, 
you know, so when you go buy it, that's where it comes from, I believe, the inside of the, the black walnut hulls. And so this is the leaves, though, of the black walnut tree, four ounces of that and 12 ounces of glycerin. So these would be good things to grow, you know, on your own property if you have a place that you can do that, you know, these type of things because they're very good medicinally. Um, and, and the garlic, you know, that's something easy to grow. Rosemary is as well. I mean, uh, you know, some of these things I've not grown, so I don't know how easy they are. But, you know, that way when you can't order them online, you know, or and plus when you do order them online, you know, different things aren't going to last forever, you know, once you store them. So if you'd start growing them now, then maybe by the time all these terrible plagues happen, you know, you'd have you'd have uh, big enough plants and, and a walnut tree, et cetera, or more than one, whatever, whatever you need, you know, that's going to be great for medicine, just like back in the day when you couldn't run to some allopathic doctor and get some petrochemical pill, you know, prescription. So, you know, you're going to be on your own. You're not going to be able to run to somebody that's going to prescribe these things that are going to kill you anyway um, and give you terrible adverse reactions and terrible side effects and, you know, um, make you a lot more likely to die by taking those. So these are things that our, our Heavenly Father gave us, and so we should, you know, grow those and use those instead, I believe. And that would be the best thing for our health. So um, it's 12 ounces of glycerin is is how much glycerin you would need. So, um, And then the directions are make separate teas of each of the herbs. First, soak each ounce of herb in clean spring water. And I would use the dried herbs for all this. So, first soak each ounce of herb in clean spring water. After about half a day, simmer each herb separately for 10 minutes. So, after they've been soaking in the clean spring water, um, they should be simmered separately for 10 minutes after half a day of soaking in the clean spring water. Then steep for half an hour and, you know, let the herbs sit there in the in the water for half an hour, steeping. And that's after they've simmered on the stove separately and on separate pots for 10 minutes each. So then you just let the herbs sit in the water after you take them off the heat. After 10 minutes on the heat, take them off the heat and only simmer them on the heat. Don't turn it up higher. Don't let them boil and everything like that. Just simmer, you know, at a low heat. And um, then you just let them stay in the water after you take them off the heat. After they've been on the heat for 10 minutes simmering, take them off the heat separately in separate pots for each herb. And then let them sit in that water steeping, just like when you make tea and you let the tea bag, you know, steep in the water. Steep it. Steep the herbs for half an hour. Then you strain the herbs out of the water and you simmer again. 
reduce each herb so that it is concentrated. So strain it out, simmer again, and reduce each herb so that it's concentrated. And then press the garlic buds into 8 ounces of concentrated juice. So, I don't know, they're saying press garlic buds into 8 ounces of concentrated juice. But in the recipe it says 1 pound garlic buds for 8 ounces of juice. So, um, I guess they're saying press the garlic buds, the pound of them, and then you're going to get out of that pressing 8 ounces of juice. So, you'll start with 16 ounces of garlic cloves, that's a pound, and then you'll end up with 8 ounces of juice from the garlic cloves. So, so once you press them, you'll get the 8 ounces of the concentrated juice, and that's very good medicinally, just like the garlic cloves are. So then add 12 ounces of glycerin to preserve it. That's your preservative, 12 ounces of glycerin. And then place it in a large bottle and label it and close the bottle and it says you may want to add paraffin melted paraffin to the top of the bottle around the lid for additional preservation power so to keep it from breaking down and you know not lasting as long or spoiling or something it would be good to put melted wax around the the lid to preserve it and also add 12 ounces of glycerin to it, you know, for preservation purposes. And then the dosage is one to three teaspoons, one to three teaspoons during epidemics. Okay, so one teaspoon, two teaspoons, or three teaspoons during epidemics. So that would be a maximum of a tablespoon during epidemics, like plague or, you know, when these communicable diseases are going around. And one or instead of one to three teaspoons, which is equivalent, the three teaspoons is equivalent to one tablespoon and use a measuring spoon to measure this out. So during epidemics, one to three teaspoons, which is equal to one tablespoon at most during epidemics. Or one teaspoon per hour if someone in the family is ill or, you know, somebody you live with, et cetera, with a communicable disease. So to prevent getting that. Um, and then dilute with water if it's too strong, you know, for the taste of it is too strong, or add it to hot herbal tea. So... I probably wouldn't use really hot herbal tea, but anyway. So it can be added to the hot herbal tea or diluted with water if, you know, it's kind of strong or doesn't taste so good. So that's the recipe for modern anti-epidemic vinegar. And then there are some other vinegars um, here, recipes for that. Um, I'm probably not going to go into those, but there are another page of recipes in the book. In fact, there's more than just those, but there's um, there's also a recipe for blackberry glycerite, 
which is the same recipe as that for blackberry vinegar, but then it's using glycerin instead of sugar. So, actually, I will read that. Um, blackberry glycerite. So, for every pint, let me see here if I can find the blackberry glycerin um, recipe because I, they don't have it right on the same page. Um, okay, so for the blackberry vinegar, that's four pounds of fresh blackberries. I would use the organic kind, you know, four pounds of fresh blackberries, enough malt vinegar to cover blackberries. So um, I don't know about that malt vinegar. I think that I read that that's not good for you, so I don't know that I'd be using the malt vinegar. I'd probably use apple cider vinegar like I tell you about. Um, I think the malt vinegar might might not be good, according to Dr. Norman Walker. But um, So enough of that vinegar to cover the blackberries and four pounds of fresh blackberries and then one pound of sugar for every pint of extracted blackberry juice. So that's what... Uh, it, it it does say here sugar can be replaced by with glycerin, so either sugar or glycerin. So for one pound of sugar for every pint of the juice that's extracted from the blackberries. Um, so for the blackberry vinegar, it says wash the blackberries in cold running water, place in a glass, earthenware, or ceramic pot. Cover with malt vinegar for three days. Like I say, I'd probably use apple cider vinegar if it were me, um, the good kind. And then stir once a day. Strain it through a sieve and drain it thoroughly by placing a plate on top and putting a weight on the plate. Let it drip all day. Measure the juice and allow one pound of sugar per pint of juice. For external use, glycerin is preferred. Okay, so I'll give you the recipe for that. So this is going to be for internal use and, you know, for external use, then glycerin is better to use to make that instead of sugar. So simmer in another glass ceramic or earthenware pot for five minutes. Collect and discard the top scum. Cool, bottle, cork, and label. And then I would keep it probably in a, in a dark cabinet out of the sun, you know, and out of the light and all that to make it last as long as possible. And so Dr. Buckman reports that this vinegar is excellent for fevers, arthritis, and gout. The dosage here is one tablespoon dissolved in a large cup of distilled water. One tablespoon dissolved in a cup, a large cup of distilled water. And then mix together. And then use three times a day. So it's excellent for fevers, arthritis, and gout. Um, this preparation will somewhat ease the pain and is said to eventually help dissolve arthritic deposits. This vinegar is also good for anemia and has helped many heart patients. Um, they don't really say, except for they say that putting glycerin instead of 
um, sugar, one pound of sugar for every pint of extracted blackberry juice is this recipe for blackberry vinegar. But for external use, the glycerin's preferred. So that means that the kind made with the sugar is for internal purposes. So that can be taken internally. Um, and they don't really say, you know, what the dosages or anything like that. Oh, yeah, they do. One tablespoon dissolved in a large cup of distilled water. And then for the external use, for the blackberry glycerite, um, I've told you about using apple cider vinegar for arthritis, for example, and for varicose veins. Um, and it's applied usually to like a cloth. A cloth is soaked in it, and then the cloth can be wrapped around, you know, the body, like if it's your knee or something like that, and then it can just stay there and even all night. And then, like, a large trash bag or something you could wrap around, not too tight or anything, just to prevent the vinegar from getting on your bedding or whatever. But that's what I've read about how to do that you know, to apply it externally. Um, so for the blackberry glycerite recipe for external purposes, and that's good for painful joints. And I've read, too, that even regular apple cider vinegar, like the Bragg or the Solana Gold, is good for both the, um, you know, painful joints, arthritis, things like that, or for varicose veins to, you know, help help with varicose vein problems, um, that can be used externally on the body. So this recipe for the blackberry glycerite is almost the same as that for blackberry vinegar, but you just use glycerin instead of the sugar. So for every pint of the extracted blackberry juice, use 8 ounces of glycerin, or a half a pint is equal to 8 ounces. So for every pint of extracted juice, use a half a pint of glycerin. So have as much glycerin as the juice. And simmer the blackberry vinegar and glycerin together for five minutes and then skim it, cool, and place in a sterilized labeled bottle and store in a cool place. Yeah, vinegar shouldn't be stored in the heat or the sunlight. That's going to help it to last, you know, as long as possible and it probably lasts in, indefinitely normally. So... I'm talking about, like, the apple cider vinegar like you buy at the store. I don't know about this kind, how long it will last, but it's going to last longer stored in a cool place out of the sunlight and out of the heat. So this glycerite of blackberry can be used in the same way as the vinegar that I told you about, you know, the other recipe with the sugar that's used internally. This is for external use with the glycerin. So for painful joints, and I would say arthritis and varicose veins probably too, it might help. Heat this preparation in small quantities and don't make it too hot. You don't want to burn your skin or anything. And then dip it in a folded cloth and apply the hot cloth to painful joints several times a day. And you don't, you know, with the cloth, you know, if you're going to use cotton or something, make sure it's organic if you can. It would be better. Don't use some kind of you know, petrochemical cloth or something, um, or bleached cloth, you know, if possible. And then just dip the cloth in the, the vinegar, 
solution and apply the hot cloth to painful joints several times a day. And that should help with arthritis, painful joints, and maybe even with the varicose veins. I know the apple cider vinegar is supposed to help with that, so this may help with that too for that purpose. So, so those are a few recipes from this book, and there's some other recipes in here too as well. But they're for like, you know, the face, to put on your face, um, to use in a salad or to put in the bath. Um, and then there's some other other ones for pets and stuff. And then there's just regular food recipes. So, anyway, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Nine. 
All right, welcome back to New World Order Info, and it's the last part of my live show tonight on the 23rd of February, 2015, and I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. So I told you that I had remembered that, you know, even though this recipe I gave you um, about... uh, Blackberry glycerite, um, and then the blackberry vinegar recipe. Well, the blackberry vinegar recipe is the one used internally, so taken by mouth. And they called for malt vinegar to cover the blackberries, but I don't think it's really necessary to use that type of vinegar. That's just my personal opinion because, I mean, I could be wrong, but... I pretty much, you know, respect what um, Dr. Norman Walker had to say, and I remember him saying that um, I thought that he said that the malt vinegar could be bad for us, and I know he said the wine vinegar is bad for us and the distilled vinegar is bad. So I went and looked it up in the book here of his, and according to his book, Fresh Vegetable and Fruit Juice is What's Missing in Your Body by N.W. Walker, Doctor of Science and Ph.D., written in cooperation with a medical doctor, R.D. Pope. Um, Here's what he says about vinegar. He says, um, all references in my previous publications to the injurious effects of vinegar applied definitely only to the white distilled vinegar and to wine vinegar in which the destructive element is the predominance of acetic acid. Pure apple cider vinegar, on the other hand, made from whole apples and not diluted, contains the constructive malic acid, an ingredient needed in the digestive processes. There are three kinds of vinegar which are generally used in this country, in the United States, apple cider vinegar and the white distilled vinegar, so that's two kinds. And then there's also wine vinegar, the third kind. Um, that's commonly used as a condiment in, you know, Latin countries. And it says, which, like the white distilled vinegar, contains acetic acid. And then it says, white distilled vinegar is injurious to the system. He also says that wine vinegar is injurious too. So white distilled vinegar is injurious to the system. It rapidly destroys red blood corpuscles, resulting in anemia. That's why I say don't use the white distilled kind in recipes or topically on the skin, etc. Don't use that white distilled vinegar. And also wine vinegar is another one he says that's bad to use, um, bad for our health. So... Not only is the, is the white distilled vinegar injurious to the system, it rapidly destroys red blood corpuscles resulting in anemia. It also interferes with the digestive process, it's retarding the digestive process and preventing the proper assimilation of food. So that's really bad. And such vinegar is the product of the fermentation by acidity of alcoholic fluids such as fermented wine and malt liquors. So that means to me, I mean, even though he didn't explicitly say don't use malt vinegar, if distilled vinegar is made with 
fermented wine and malt liquors, then I would think the malt vinegar would be bad. I mean, I don't know. That's just me being better to be safe than sorry. So that's up to you. But I personally would probably not use the malt vinegar in that recipe for the, the blackberries. I would just use the apple cider vinegar, you know, and make sure it's the raw, organic kind with the mother. Um, not just any old apple cider vinegar that you buy at the store that's cheap and all that. Um, don't use the pasteurized kind or the kind that's not organic or the kind that's not raw. Or it, Make sure it says with the mother on the label or with veil of the mother on the label. And then get it in a glass bottle. So he says the white distilled vinegar with a high acetic content is widely used in this country, meaning the United States. And even now, I mean, I'll look at recipes. I have a lot of cookbooks, and I collect them, um, old ones, antique ones, vintage ones, and modern ones. And, you know, they call many, many times for distilled vinegar. So whenever I see that in a recipe, I'll just substitute apple cider vinegar and I'll make sure it's a good brand like Bragg or Solana Gold or Organic Con. That's raw, you know, with the mother. And so he goes on to say, Dr. Walker here in his book, vinegar made from apples is known as apple cider vinegar. It contains malic acid, which is a natural organic constituent of apples and is an element involved in the digestive processes. Vinegar made by the process of fermentation of wine contains an average of from 3% to 9% acetic acid and usually some tartaric acid in addition. Acetic acid in vinegar has been known to be a contributing factor in causing hardening of the liver, meaning cirrhosis of the liver, duodenal, and other intestinal ulcers. So that's not good. You know, it... it um. He says the kind made from fermentation of wine, like wine vinegar, that contains a lot of acetic acid and usually some tartaric acid in addition. So acetic acid in vinegar has been known to be a contributing factor in causing hardening of the artery of the liver, um, cirrhosis of the liver, and duodenal and other intestinal ulcers. Then he says apple cider vinegar, on the other hand, contains malic acid a constructive acid, so it's good for us, which combines with alkaline elements and minerals in the body to produce energy or to be stored in the system as glycogen for future use of energy. It has proved to be of immeasurable value when used judiciously by humans and for animals. So that's uh, malic acid and, you know, apple cider vinegar. Those are good for us. And he says, space does not permit the publishing of the vast field of beneficial results obtained. For example, how it helps in the coagulation of blood and establishing a normal menstrual flow and contributes to healthy blood vessels, veins, and arteries and in the building of red blood. One of the greatest virtues of apple cider vinegar is its extraordinary potassium content, an element so necessary for building and storing body reserves and to help the system to achieve harmony and calm. So the potassium content of the apple cider vinegar is really good for us. And this potassium readily associates with some of the most important elements in the body, such as calcium, sodium, iron, magnesium, chlorine, and silicon. 
It's important when choosing apple cider vinegar to consider its source in order to be sure that it is made from whole apples and not the kind that is cheaply made just from apple cores and peelings. That means when you make it yourself, you know, if you choose to do that one day or whenever, um, you know, you don't want to just use the, the cores and the peelings like those cheaply made ones are made from because you're not going to get the medicinal benefit. You're not going to get all the nutrients and you know, everything you need out of that vinegar for health purposes if you just make it from the trash of the apple, you know, from the leftover stuff of the apple and then go and use the whole part of the apple to make something else. So people do that. I've read lots of recipes on how to make vinegar, and they don't realize, you know, if you're, you know, what what it's for is for health purposes, whether you put it in a recipe or you take it, and it's going to be better for you if you just stir it into some good water, good filtered water, versus putting it in a recipe and cooking it. Okay, don't get me wrong. But if it's a recipe that the vinegar doesn't get cooked in, it's still going to be really, you know, beneficial medicinally because you're not heating it. Um, but anyway, they don't realize that just using the the core of the apple and just the peelings, you're not going to get the medicinal benefit. So, you know, people just don't really understand about health and things like that. So they take the, they make it cheaper. They use the apple for some other purpose. And then, you know, or they eat the apple or make apple sauce or apple juice or apple cider or whatever they're making. And then they just think they can use the core and the peelings. But you're not going to get the health benefits if you do it that way so and you're not gonna it's not gonna be good for your health like it will if you know you make it the right way using the whole apples so that's another good reason I believe to get a good brand or make it yourself with whole apples so and um, he says that used Judiciously, apple cider vinegar is an indispensable item for the kitchen cupboard. Its antiseptic qualities are almost beyond belief. So it's another thing. It's, you know, it's antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal, and antiseptic. Many victims of skin blemishes, even of the contagious type, have been helped by the application of apple cider vinegar directly on the skin. In Scotland, it used to be and perhaps still is a common practice to shrink varicose and bulging veins by the application of apple cider vinegar on the skin to the whole length of the veins, morning and night, for a month or so. Okay, so it can be applied topically to the skin for varicose and bulging veins to shrink them. For the whole length of the vein, it should be applied, the veins, morning and night, so twice a day for a month or so to be applied topically on the skin. And and like I say, that can be, I mean, I'm sure you could spray it on, but probably even better would be to use a cloth soaked in it um, because the spray will probably, you know, kind of evaporate and then it won't be staying on there. But if the cloth is soaked in it, I would think that would be, be better, you know, to soak it like 30 minutes or something, put the cloth around the body, part where the bulging or varicose veins were. Then the same thing for arthritis, you know, like I told you, you could use that for or muscle aches. 
Um, and then also, and that's twice a day, morning and night, for a month or so. And that's supposed to shrink the veins. And at the same time, you know, to shrink the veins, not only to apply it topically, but daily drinking two or three glasses of water with two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar in each glass. And it works. So keep that in mind. So not only applying it to the skin for a month or so, twice a day, morning and night, um, on the veins, but at the same time drinking two to three glasses of water with two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar in each glass. So if it's two to three glasses of water at the same time, you know, they don't really specify whether that's per day or um, that is probably per day, I would think. I don't think they mean two or three glasses each time you do the treatment on your legs or whatever. But anyway, um, two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar added to the water. Make sure it's good water, you know. Um, Frank made a comment where they called for spring water in an early recipe that you could also use, you know, distilled water or reverse osmosis water, which I agree with. Um, so, you know, you just don't want to use the bad tap water that's got all kind of bad things in there, like, for instance, bleach, which is what they usually use instead of hydrogen peroxide, and that makes it cancer-causing. I mean, bleach causes cancer. So when they use it to treat the water with and they they treat wastewater with it that they give us to drink, that's a bad thing. And also the fluoride causes cancer, and they put that in the water and it's not the naturally occurring fluoride that's good for us, you know, to a certain extent. It's the toxic waste, you know, toxic byproduct, the fluoride that they use. Um, so from the fertilizer industry and aluminum, I believe, industry, and it's just terrible. So, you know, that's that's not the kind of water you want to use with that anything with fluoride or chlorine in it. So you would want to use some good water, like filtered water, like, you know, distilled water. And we do have four distillers in our superstore, and we use distilled water. Um, reverse osmosis water is good, too, and ozonated water, um, or maybe if it's been ozonated and, you know, it's reverse osmosis treated, et cetera, so. Those are some good waters to use. Um, so, um, you know, that's some, a good treatment for the varicose veins and also, you know, treating arthritis and and muscle aches and pains, like, you know, by soaking the cloth in the apple cider vinegar and applying that to the skin. And it can be, you know, mixed into water, just like they said, you know, for arthritis too, you know, you can do it two different ways. You can put it on the skin and then drink it in the water, dissolve it in the water, dilute it in the water, and take it internally, and that should help with arthritis. And with the aches and pains and and with the varicose veins and um, the bulging veins, things like that. So um, Dr. Walker in his book goes on to say, your life is manifested in the condition of your blood which is generated in the marrow of your bones, activated through your spleen, and circulated through your blood vessels. 
it's a natural systematic process that causes the bloodstream to be completely recreated every period of 28 days. And unless the balance is maintained between the creation of new blood cells while the old blood cells complete their cycle, health cannot be maintained and one's efficiency is impaired. In the maintenance of balance in the body competence, no single class of nourishment has proved as effective as the fresh, raw vegetable and fruit juices. Likewise, no single means to obtain, help obtain the quick reestablishment of such balance has proved to be as efficacious, meaning as, you know, quickly working and good for us as pure apple cider vinegar. Excessive bleeding in menstrual cycles, bleeding hemorrhoids, nose bleeding, cuts, etc., have been wonderfully helped by drinking two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar in a glass of water daily, stirring those. You know, now drink it with a straw to protect the enamel of your teeth. And two or three times a day, if necessary, that can be, you know, consumed. Uh, two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar and a glass of water up to two to three times a day if needed. And when there's a deficiency of hydrochloric acid in the digestive system, which results in the failure of the system to properly digest proteins, giving rise to high blood pressure, Apple cider vinegar has been used one to three teaspoons in a glass of water during the meal with a consequent perceptible lowering of the blood pressure. So it helps to lower the blood pressure if the high blood pressure is due to um, a deficiency of hydrochloric acid in the digestive system, which results in the failure of the system to properly digest proteins, which can cause high blood pressure. So drinking one to three teaspoons of apple cider vinegar in a glass of water during the meal will cause a perceptible lowering of the blood pressure. So that's another good thing that apple cider vinegar is used for. So um, I'm going to share, you know, because there's so many things vinegar can be used for, there's so many more things to cover And I even have, you know, a lot more of those things left to tell you that I haven't even gotten to. So um, I'll probably give you some more of those on my next show. Um, And there's all kind of other things, you know, as well that are helpful for your health that I talk about. So, um, and some more information about potassium deficiency and how to increase one's potassium intake. I'll probably cover that on my next show. And some more about infection and healthy digestion and strong circulation and um, the kidney and bladder and how vinegar can help um, to eliminate, you know, waste from the body and help the kidneys when they're inflamed and that can lead to a backup of toxins in the body and eventually to blood poisoning, which is sepsis. So that's very important to know. And then how to help um, to get rid of fat, you know, and to get it, keep it from, you know, staying in your body when you're eating fatty foods and stuff like that. But it's good to get good fat from the right sources, like the coconut oil, extra virgin organic, cold-pressed raw coconut oil, and the The avocados, organic avocados, those are some good oils and some olive oil, things like that. And 
and I think it's about time to end my show tonight. So um, thank you for listening, and hopefully you learned something tonight. And, you know, get this book called The Miracle of Garlic and Vinegar, and then there's The Fresh, Fresh Blood Fruit Juices, What's Missing in Your Body, another great book by Dr. Norman Walker and R.D. Pope, medical doctor. Those are two great books I highly recommend. James Edmund O'Brien wrote The Miracle of Garlic and Vinegar. And so those are two books that I really do like having in my health library. And so thank you for all your prayers and for telling others about us, for supporting us in many different ways and, you know, listening as much as you do, coming to our chat room for those of you that do that, you know, and if you haven't, you should try it because everybody's pretty friendly in there and, you know, you can learn a lot of things that way and listen while you chat and, you know, talk to other people of usually like-minded, more like-minded than than most people you probably run into out there. Um, you know, even your own family a lot of times. So it's about time to end my show, so thank you for listening. God bless you all. Have a wonderful night. Quite as true as I should have. Maybe I didn't love you. Quite as often as I could have. Little things I should have said and done. I just never took the time. You were always on my mind. I never told you I'm so happy that you're mine If I made you feel second best Girl, I'm so sorry I was blind You were always on my mind
Everyone we need Hey, hey, with a monkey 
out there or not in time. Okay, this is Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor, and as I said, I like to monkey around a little bit every once in a while and get your own radio show. You can take a liberty. That's my first uh, first attempt at disc jockeying. But I did that because uh, <clears throat> growing up, that happened to be one of my favorite bands as a youngster. I know they were made up for TV, but as some of you have heard, uh, Davy Jones just passed away here two days ago, so in honor of him, I thought we'd play that song. A little side trivia note, did you know that there was another David Jones, and he couldn't use his name uh, because Davy Jones had already came came to the forefront when the monkeys, and had already started making that popular, so he had to change his name, and he changed his name to David Bowie. Just a little side note there in case you had never heard that before. Okay, it is the 1st of March, 2012. This is a live show finally got rid of the hiccups, finally got most of the cough under control, decided we could come back and uh, do a live show for you here and uh, get you some fresh and relative information, you know, about survival and what's going on in the world and uh, what the set of circumstances and the situation might lead to and uh, get yourself uh, motivated to get prepared. And keep you going there. Keep you getting uh, getting the moving. Well, like I say, it's a live calling show, so you can call 800-596-8191. 800-596-8191. For those with unlimited minutes or international callers, you can call 541-826-9159. 541-826-9159. And you can get through to Producer Frank, and he'll put you up on the air. And you can ask a question, make a comment. Feel free to call. 
American Voice Radio, AmericanVoiceRadio.com. All right, you can also listen on the Voice Bridge at area code 218-862-7200, 218-862-7200. You need to code 361-113, and that you can get through. And listen while you're going somewhere in your car, put it through your Bluetooth, over your radio, through your car, and not uh, through your cell phone and listen to it. But keep in mind that's not an um, that's not a toll-free number, and that requires you to uh, go ahead and, uh, and and pay for those minutes. So don't be aware of that if you're going to use your cell phone and you don't have an unlimited minutes program. One thing you could do is uh, make the uh, voice bridge one of your uh, frequently called numbers, and then you could listen to shows on AVR all day long by going through the voice bridge. All right, I want to talk about a couple of issues. Uh, you know, we, we're always, you know, we have developed a lifestyle in our modern society, and it circula- circulates quite heavily around fossil fuels. And we've all got some kind of conveyance, a vehicle, motorcycle, car, truck, pickup, something. And for the most part, that we get around in or we're, we're relying on someone else with one uh, quite a few times to to get things taken care of. Unless you live in the Amish country or somewhere out there where you've got a horse and a buggy and you got everything close enough, nor you're close enough to walk, you're in a big city or something like that, well, um, you may have that situation. Uh, you, you, if you're depending on uh, public transportation and we get into a survival mode, well, that's not going to be there. But so let's say you're middle-of-the-road survival guy. You've got a little bit of property somewhere. you got you got at least a backyard. And you're in the suburbs or more rural, hopefully, where your retreat is rural. What are you going to do for fuel? You can only store. We've talked about fuel stable. Uh, we've talked about the new gas, how how really watered down it is to begin with, so to speak, chemically. Uh, and it, it just doesn't store as well as the older gasoline from 30 years ago, uh, even with stable in it. Uh, two to three years, maybe even four, is stretching it now for gas, and diesel's about five, whereas used to you could store diesel for close to 10. Um, so what are you going to do? Well, there was a gentleman here in in, in uh, Southern Oregon today. He's been here before. Unfortunately, I was unable to get down to listen to him speak. Uh, it just happened to be today, so it was a conflict with uh, being prepared to come on uh, to do a show this evening. But he has a, has a website called permaculture.com, permaculture, all one word, .com. Or you can type in this word search, and this comes up number one on Google. Alcohol can be a gas. Alcohol can be a gas. The gentleman's name is David Bloom. It's out of Santa Cruz, California. And he claims that if you're fortunate enough and can come across, he uses donuts. He has uh, contracts with several donut shops down where he's at, and he takes their 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 day-old or their out-of-date donuts and hauls them off for them. They don't even have to dump them. He, uh, he takes them the, the 55-gallon barrels and 
they just put them in the 55-gallon barrels, and he comes by every other day and hauls them off. And then he ferments them and turns that into, distills it and turns it into 198-proof alcohol. Now, he then turns around and puts that in his 2010 Ford F-150 pickup truck without any modifications to it because it is a full-on flex vehicle, flex fuel vehicle. In fact, most vehicles since 94 are full-on flex vehicles. And since 83, half uh, your, your vehicle can take half alcohol without having anything done to it. And on his website, he has a computer chip that you can add to the computer for your older vehicles, which will allow them to run full alcohol. Now, this is um, uh, not the methyl alcohol, which the race car drivers use. That's very caustic and, and very bad. This is the this is the alcohol you could drink. And in fact, uh, and you're you're allowed to get a license to produce it for free from the ATF and the alcohol tobacco on farms from the federal government. And depending on what state you're in, some states will actually loan you the money to buy the still to produce the fuel commercially for a business. And you get tax credits, and it all depends on where you're at, what tax credits you get back. But all of that aside, throw the tax credits out. The bare cost, if you were paying $200 a cord for wood, got your donuts for free, you have to buy your enzymes and uh, a few other small items, you're at about $0.30 a gallon. Now, he has plans simple plans on his website that you can make an experimental test still that will make a gallon an hour. And you can, of course, enlarge that. There are different plans on there. And then they're getting ready to actually sell, manufacture and sell uh, professional built stills. And they cost about a dollar for the gallon that they're capable of manufacturing. And they're going to have one that's a 15,000-gallon producer, or it's actually $2.00. So it's going to cost $30,000 for that still. Uh, by the way that you can you can sell your alcohol to commercial alcohol resellers for about two to two and a quarter a gallon, or you can sell it to your neighbors, two fifty, and 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 be making a profit. You can pay for that in six to eight months. So if you can get a source, a reliable continual guaranteed source of starch that you can ferment and then distill, then you can turn around and build yourself a nice small side home business. You know, we're not talking about, you know, going up against Exxon or something like here, but, you know, if you were making fifteen or 20,000 gallons a month and selling it for two bucks wholesale and you had a total cost of 50 cents a gallon, even without getting any of the tax breaks or, or the or the discounts. Uh, I don't know how many of you are making a making any money. Uh, what jobs you're doing now? But that sure as the heck's a, uh, a pretty good uh, part-time job. And even if gas doesn't hit five dollars a gallon, 
which they're already telling us, and it's already in Los Angeles, is already hit five a gallon. So um, if you, if you know, I, we're four dollars here where we're at in Southern Oregon now, three ninety nine. So uh, if you don't think it's going to go to four fifty or five by Memorial Day, well, I don't know. I don't know what you're smoking. But here's the thing. If you could sell it for 250 how many people will buy it? Especially if it'll fit right in their vehicle, their existing vehicle. All these new vehicles, it runs on it. Oh, and here's something for the you fellows that have got your 1960s pick-em-up trucks with your 12-to-1 compression. They get better mileage on alcohol than they do on gas. The higher the compression, high-compression engines get superior mileage on alcohol. Now, you lose a little bit in a lower compression engine. So you got your little Ford Focus or your 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 little uh, Chevette or whatever you've got there that you're driving. And let's say you get 30 miles to the gallon normally on, on regular gasoline. You're going to get about 28 on alcohol. The other side of the coin is your engine will last on average three times running on alcohol than it does on gas because you have absolutely no carbon build up in your engine whatsoever. Runs just clean as the day is long. Just as clean as the day is long. So you get yourself an old Ford pickup up truck uh, with a 400 in a minute and you rebuild it to high compression 12 to 1 ratio and you, you start using alcohol on it exclusively you're going to drive that thing for a half a million miles or more as long as you change the oil and keep it cool. And that's the other thing. Alcohol has a tendency to run cooler. It's better on the engine. It has better, uh, better longevity. Uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of pluses here. There's a lot of, a lot of favorable things. So, you, you might want to go to permaculture.com or look up Alcohol Can Be a Gas. He sells a book, and he's got plans on there on his website. Uh, David Bloom's the fellow's name. He's out of Santa Cruz, California. Uh, I hope some point in the future maybe to get him on as a guest, actually have him talk about this in a little bit more detail. And I, I do truly, really regret today missing an opportunity to uh, go listen to his uh to his talk, so I'm going to try to find somebody that maybe recorded it, or at least talk to him here directly on the phone tomorrow. Get some more information about it, because I think this is something that uh, I definitely want to look into, if not uh, if not for a commercial venture for myself personally. I mean, if I take a couple of days out a, a month and make a couple of hundred gallons of alcohol for myself, who am I hurting? You know, if I can make my fuel for one, you know, one-fifth, one-sixth of what they're selling it for, even if I have to buy commercial sugar, because you can use sugar beets, and we grow sugar beets around here. There are other products there. You're not limited. Donuts just happens to be readily available. What he loves about the donuts, actually, it costs him less than 30 cents a gallon using donuts, because... While he's fermenting the donut mix, the oil from the cooked donuts comes to the surface, and he uses that oil to fire his uh, his still. 
Yeah, so he's not even he's 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 using he's very green there with the donut using a double uh double bonus there of using the actual oil product that the donut was cooked in and then using the starch to produce the alcohol. Now, this is not your your grandpa's still that was built out in the backwoods of Tennessee and and Georgia uh, to make white lightning or moonshine. That that doesn't that only comes out to about 80 or 90 proof. This has to be 198 proof. It's a special uh, built, the way that the still is built. It does multiple chambering so that by the time it reaches the end of its tube, it's coming out at about 198% alcohol. 198 proof, which is exactly what you want. Now, stored, I do know under the law that it has to be then contaminated. So what some people do is uh, they'll use like uh, some Marvel's mystery oil or put a, a certain amount of motor oil in or just blend in so much gasoline. They'll go ahead and put 10% gas in with it. And that way the ATF can't come back at you and say you're trying to make uh, illegal alcohol for drinking. And before any of you get an idea that you can pull some of that off to the side, you have to be very careful when uh, distilling alcohol. There is a deadly byproduct that comes off the top, which will make you go blind, will kill you. So if you're going to do anything that you shouldn't do, you really need to do your homework before you do anything you shouldn't do if you're going to try and do anything you shouldn't do while making your fuel. Enough said. Enough said. All right. So, any of you got any questions? Uh, you know, you can see the, the level of freedom. Now, also, his book and in his website, he has a list of all the places that are available now to buy alcohol. So you wouldn't just be stuck Let's say you wanted to go somewhere, you want to go on vacation. You've got your motorhome all dolled up, and you, you've got it loaded up with uh, alcohol, and you're, you want to go to Colorado. Well, you look on there, and you find four or five people along the way that also sell alcohol. You call them up, and you say, hey, I'm coming through. Can I, you know, you're going to, yeah, sure, right. Stop in, get alcohol. Yeah, two bucks a gallon, no problem. Now, uh, he does say that they're using this with diesels. And what they do with diesels is they get into the diesel um, and they turn the 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 diesel the the um, the injector pump down, so they just get enough diesel to compress and and and, and ignite, and then they run a, they they come up with like a carburetor that fits in front of the air cleaner, and they start injecting the alcohol. And I've, I've heard of this before. I, I knew logging guys for years used to take and put a five-gallon propane bottle and run a copper tube out under the air, into the air intake of their diesel motor. And when they get up in the mountains, they'd reach over and crack that propane and give that some extra get-up and go on horsepower. When it's turning out, this is actually increasing the fuel mileage, uh, and, and you're using less diesel to actually get the thing going, and then you're actually then because you're getting the explosion from the compression from the from from the uh, diesel fuel exploding, then that's igniting the alcohol. Because you know you don't have plugs in a diesel, 
So you have no way to ignite the alcohol. So you're using the ignition from the high compression of the of the diesel fuel, and then to, then to burn the intake of the alcohol. And that's how you're increasing your mileage with your diesel by having an alcohol system. And he said there are six variations right now that they're working on with diesels. In fact, they're getting ready to go to Central America somewhere where there are these two humongously giant, they look like giant truck motors running uh, uh, whole communities' uh, electrical power, and they're going to convert them to do this alcohol system with the diesel. And they figure they're going to uh, cut their diesel costs by 25 or, or by 75% down to one-fourth. So uh, that's something to think about. If you're paying uh, close to six bucks a gallon for diesel fuel in some areas, or will be if you can now turn around and add an alcohol system to your diesel and cut your costs down to $2 for the same amount of travel or even a dollar, a uh, buck and a half, whatever. Something to seriously consider, something to very seriously take into account. Uh, I'll, as I get into this, and uh, I'm going to really, uh, I'm going to back tomorrow on with my plan to order the small, the plans for the for the test still, and I'm going to go ahead and build one of these and uh, see what happens. Make myself a few gallons of alcohol and uh, start driving around on it. Just see what, uh, see how things work. I've got a brand new motorcycle. I bought the 2004. I bought it in 2005. It was a, it didn't just sit on the showroom floor, and never got an opportunity to put eight miles on it. Eight miles on this brand new 250cc motorcycle. It's an enduro. And so I figure, well, you know what? I think I'll just turn it into an alcohol bike, and run it around on hip on alcohol. It's a brand new motor. It's all clean and everything. I'll just go for that and see what happens. This could be a good experiment for the summer and uh, could save myself a tremendous amount of money. Like I say, this is a live call-in show tonight. It is the 1st of March, 2012. How'd you like that 29-day February there, you guys? Once every five years. How'd you like to be born on the 29th of February? Got to be a long time before you get 20 years old, huh? <laughs> I have 20 birthdays, at least, anyway. Some people have been bummed out by that, and other people make great light and have fun with it. guess it all depends on who raised you and how they looked upon it and how you get treated uh, for that and in regards to that. I always thought the people that got rooked were the people that were born on, like, uh, Christmas. You know, birthday and Christmas, all in one thing. I was, I was fortunate. I was born in June, so... Uh, you know, I, I got a nice break halfway through the year, you know. So should be having the music come up here any second now. That's why I'm kind of delaying getting on to the next subject. I don't really want to start a new subject here and uh, get off into it and then have that music pop up on me. So I'll try to hold the air and keep it live. Uh, this is Survival Time. I am your host, Richard McGregor. This is the American Voice Radio. It's been a while since I've pandered for a vote over on TalkStream Live, although there's so much shenanigans going on with that from internal sources. They don't know if it really works anymore. But if you want to go over there and do a vote and see if we can't drag me up a little bit, 
You know, I used to be number one, number two on there by the second hour for sure. And uh, it seems now anymore that I can't even get, get out of the bottom of the pile. I don't know if that's uh, truly nobody's listening or everybody that goes there is getting looked. All right, there's the music. Uh, we're going to take a break here for about uh, five minutes, and we'll be back. And we'll talk about smart meters and the survival aspects of your power supply from your electrical company and what you need to do about that. Something a lot of you are not aware of, and it's just becoming uh, prevalent on the forefront of just how dangerous this whole thing is and how invasive it is. Beans, rice, and bullets. Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC ceased in use commercial short wave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. 
The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us or under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Survival of the fittest. In any and all situations, survival is your number one priority. That requires being tough and thinking smart. And the folks at Freeze-Dry Guy are going to help you do just that. They have a long-range patrol ration entrees, what they call the Brick Pack. When you're in survival mode, it is absolutely the best item for your survival pack or bug-out bag. You can go farther, faster, and carry more food with the LRP cold weather ration entrees. Not only do these long-lasting, durable entrees help sustain you or your family through the harshest environment or situation, they are by far the most delicious of their kind. No contest. With a variety of tasty entrees, you can't beat the LRP Brick Packs. Let Freeze Dry Guy help you in your survival situations. Go to freezedryguy.com. That's freezedryguy.com. Or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
Survival time. Richard McGregor, the 1st of March, 2012. You know what? Not having actual total complete access to a computer as often as I would like has caused me to let out a, a misknown piece of information. I guess no AVR programs are on TalkStream Live anymore. I guess we've been torpedoed. So don't worry about going over there and voting. You can't vote, so don't worry about it. To heck with them, we'll let them go ahead and do whatever it is they do, whatever that is. Anyway, I um, was talking with uh, producer Fran Claire while we were uh, getting ready to come back, and oh, I got a joke. I don't tell too many jokes, but I got a joke for you. So we're going to do a little music tonight, and then I'm going to give you a little joke, a little humor. A communist, an illegal alien, and a Muslim walk into a bar. What does the bartender say? What can I get for you, Mr. President? All right, I hope that makes you chuckle. All right, that was something we're going to talk about, smart meters. How many of you know what a smart meter is and what we're talking about? No, this isn't the smart grid, although it works with the smart grid. It is the smart meter. And some of you, depending on where you live, Predominantly right now, if you are in Michigan, the Detroit area, Florida, Florida Power and Light, and uh, um, uh, there's another Florida, uh, Florida uh, Gas and Electric or something like that, uh, Pacific Power, uh, and, of course, um, uh, oh, the big dog down there in California besides 
um, Pacific Power, uh, PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, um, which I always get confused with. The, some people get confused with the PG&E out of Portland because that's Portland Gas and Electric. But I don't know that they are doing this yet. But all the power companies are going this way. They want to put these smart meters in. Well, initially they're saying it's going to help you. Well, you got an analog meter sitting on the side of your house. It's been there for 20 or 30 years. It works flawlessly. It's not broken. Uh, they're not replacing it because it doesn't work. They have to send a guy or a gal out to walk around your house and read it. And they've been putting them on the sides of houses, and they got these little scanners, and they've been able to barcode read them from a distance for quite a while. But the point is, they've still got to have a human being go out and read the meter. Well, the smart meter is microwave radio control. And it sends the information down the power line. And it gangs up the information. In other words, it goes from house to house to house to house down to a central collecting unit in the neighborhood. That can be anywhere between 500 and 5,000 houses. Now, here's the problem. It is microwave radio controlled remote. So as it goes from house to house, it bumps that power up. Now, the, some of you are quite well aware of microwave sickness. Some of you walk into a room with fluorescent bulbs and you start to almost immediately get headaches. There are people getting deathly ill from these things. They're, they're putting them up. One lady, she didn't know why she was getting sick. She lives in an apartment building in, in, in Canada. The room below her apartment, right where she sits and watches TV, has all the meters for all the apartments, 40 of them. And they just recently, in December, switched them all out. And that's why she's getting sick from the microwave. Now, here's the thing about it. They want you to not only do that, then they're wanting you, they're giving you credits to put these chips, control modules, on your appliances. Now, some of your new appliances come in with a built-in. But like if you've got an air conditioning unit in California, they give you this module. They give you a $35 rebate, and they give you the module, and they pay to have it installed, and it gets put on your air conditioner. And they can tweak it down, shut it off at their discretion whenever they want to, and you can't override it. So if they see, if they determine they have a peak power demand at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and they want to tweak your power down, they turn your air conditioner off. Well, what if you're someone who's in a health condition that requires it? It's tough luck. Now, the good news of it in Canada, unfortunately, this is mandated by the government, and it's going to happen. There's just no way around it, uh, short of going uh, going uh, off the grid. And I'll, I'll, there is a way to do some limited off the grid if you have the space and a little bit of money. And we'll talk about that. But the other thing that you can do, fortunately, most of the places in the United States, it is not law. In fact, in several jurisdictions, they're getting the state legislatures to pass ordinances uh, 
in like in Michigan, they can't force you to purchase a new item as long as the existing item works. So uh, the power meter, they threaten that they'll disconnect you from service. No power company can do that. They have to provide you service because they're a public utility. They're, they get they they get their funding guaranteed by the government, and as long as you pay your bill, you have to be given the access to electrical service. So they can't they'll try to bluff you. But most of the people who have complained and bitched and hollered and screamed and said, "Put back my analog meter," have gotten their analog meter back. And in most cases, since contractors are doing most of the work, most of the contractors are told that if a sign has been put up to leave the leave the analog meter in place, then they won't even install the new one. So you need to go out on the side of your house to your power meter box, and you need to look up there. And you will, you will be able to tell that you've got a smart meter. Smart meter will be this big honking thing. It's going to be about twice the size of the original one. It's going to be digital. Your old analog is going to have all the little gears and the little wheels and the little dials on it. That's what you want to keep. You want to make sure that if they've taken and replaced that and put this smart meter. Now, here's the other thing. This thing can listen to the impedance of the frequency going down the wires into your radio speakers on your computer speakers at your television set. Do you understand what I just told you? This is two-way. They know what you're doing in your home. They know how much electricity you're using. They'll be able to discriminate. If you, get, if you buy all new major appliances with the intelligence, you get the smart grid appliances, they'll know what your refrigerator is set at. They'll be able to change it without you even knowing anything about it. They'll be able to listen in on your house, monitor it at any time they want. In addition to that, broadcasting this mass amounts of microwave. Uh, and, and here's the thing. You get rid of it off of your house. You need to go educate your neighbors. You need to get it away from all of your neighbors. You need to inform them, educate them. And so what I want you to do is there's tons of resources. There's YouTube videos. You can download. You can get, the, you can get his information. There's these people. These, these are, this is a couple out of Michigan. Um, I wrote their name down here. Let me find my glasses first here, folks. Sorry about this. Got to put the eyeballs on. Okay, it's Pauline and John Holton. Holton or Helton? I think it's Holton. Yeah, it's H-O-L-T-O-N, Holton. Okay. Now, the website's kind of tricky, so listen careful. Listen careful. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna say it and then I'll 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 try to give you the clear straight uh, how it is. It's W four A R dot com, and that's not the word for. 
That's the numeral four. Like one, two, three, four. Okay, so it's W4AR. Just four characters. A W, a letter W, a number four, a letter A, and a letter R dot com. Okay? Or you can look up smart meters. And then look up the Holtons, Pauline and and John Holton. And uh, you can do a Google search and that'll pull they're out of Michigan and they're they're really fighting this and they've got a lot of information. They've put a lot of good stuff together. Now <clears throat> okay, I'm a I'm a talk show, I'm a talk radio guy. So uh I love AVR and I and I and I, I listen to my own network quite a bit. But I'll also shop around and I'll listen. And I, I'm not just listening. I'm listening to learn myself. Because, see, here's some things I've learned from from different shows that I've been able to now expand over and bring to you that you may have not heard. Some of you who are Coast to Coast listeners probably heard this couple last night on Coast to Coast. So if you want to listen to them, you know, talk about the smart meters, you can go to the archive of Coast to Coast from the 29th of February and link to their site and listen to, you know, their interview. And you need to learn this. This is something very important. This has to do with your survival. It has to do with your health, your privacy. It has to do with your security, your control, and, your, you know, and, and most importantly, your health. And a microwave, you know, a cell phone antenna, okay, the jury's still out on that, and it might not be good for you, but microwave will just flat out tear you a new one. And this is uh, 15 uh, milliwatts for each meter, and as it progresses down to send the information, it builds up and can build up into the hundreds and even thousands of milliwatts. So... You know, that's like taking a microwave oven with the door off that's working and standing in front of it. I don't know. Do you want that on your house? Oh, this technology is also not underwriters laboratory approved. These meters, none of them have a UL listing. And they have started fires on houses. In fact, one lady, they were installing them in the whole neighborhood and they fried everybody's appliances, and the power company denied any knowledge and refused to do anything about it. Literally destroyed her big screen TV, took out her refrigerator, her computer, uh, her washer, her dryer, even appliances that weren't on fried the circuit boards at her expense so far. So there are many, many, many reasons. They say that... uh, it likes to arc, and a lot of times with the, you've got wiring in your house that's 30 or 40 years old, the arcing jumping back and forth is enough to jump the wires and cause the, um, cause the insulation to start to break off the wires, leading to a short, leading to a house fire. So there's another reason right there, just the safety. And the fact that it's not underwriter's laboratory why would you want any electrical appliance? I'll tell you right now, if I don't see UL on that, baby, I don't buy it. That's one company. That's one. It's not even a company. That's 
one organization, Underwriters Laboratory, that does a magnificent service for the public and will not take anybody's money from any corporation. They work really, really hard to make sure. And, and companies fight. They fight for that UL tag. They, they go to the company and say, what do we need to do to our product to bring it to your standards? And then we'll design, what, what, what are your standards? And then they design their product. They get the standard. They don't, they don't think something up and then try to check it. They get the standard from UL, build to that standard, and then submit it for testing. And say, so do we need to do anything to improve it? Is there something we can do to make it better that you think we should do? And they seek, seek their, their input and their opinion. So these companies that manufacture these meters won't even, won't even go there. And of course, they're hidden. Uh, they're hidden under under layer and layer after layer of uh, of uh, corporate structure and and uh, uh, you know licensing here and there. And you you can bet if you don't say GE on it, you're almost going to bet that they're somewhere in the in in the in the bed with the ticks on that. Uh, I can't see how they wouldn't be be behind that. These things cost $400 a piece. They save them tens of thousands of dollars in employees. Just think about it. They don't have to hire all these employees now to go out and check, so they don't have all that that salary. And here's the thing. The the meter unions, the the people that do the the meter readers, they're not even complaining about this. their, Their jobs are being taken away from them and they're not even out there. It makes you wonder what incentives did they give them? Did they they pay them off or tell them, well, we'll keep you on somewhere else at, at you know your good paying job? We're just not hiring any new folks. I mean, do we need to lose more jobs in America? There comes a point in time. There's certain a level of efficiency, which adds to the bottom line, which makes sense, as long as you're not hurting anybody. But these things are dangerous. They're destroying houses. They're making people sick. They're doing all kinds of things. All kinds of uh, all kinds of, uh, of of problems and issues are are occurring with these these meters. So go to that w4ar.com smart meters. The W as in whiskey. The numeral four, as in one, two, three, four. A is in Adam. R is in Robert. The letters. W4AR.com. And uh, check, out the, check out the thing on smart meters. You'll get your eyeballs open, wide open. There's much more stuff there, and you can look at the YouTubes and see all the different stuff that's going on. Uh, check out the documentary and... and uh, see what's happening there. Um, that's something that's coming up. I can't talk about it. Talk done. I hate it when I get a gag order on something just cooler than cool. But in about six months, there's going to be a new product. It's going to be made to fit in your little survival tins. Uh, an acquaintance of mine is manufacturing it. I'm going to tell you right now, it's the hottest. It's cool. You're going to love it. You're going to want one for your survival tin. When he gets it going and he gets the production up, 
I'll get you his website. You can order it straight direct from him. They are slicker than well boogers. There's two models. And when you see it, you're just going to wonder why it hadn't been thought of. And you'll definitely want one. That's just the best I can do for you is tease you with it. I promised I wouldn't talk about it beyond that. And so it will be coming. And it will be something you will want for your survival pen. He also makes a neck model. And you're going to want one of those. You're going to want one of each. Trust me. Uh, I hate to tease you with this, but I do have prototypes. And uh, I'm impressed. I am most seriously, seriously impressed. All right. Um, Let's see. Where do we go from here? I think we're going to go to Mr. Cash. I think we're going to listen to Johnny, and we're going to take a five-minute break here, and we will be back on the other side, and we will talk about some more stuff. If you want to call, 800-596-8191. My friend's from Georgia, John from Texas. Anybody out there? They're all from Oregon. Call in if you want. This is Richard McGregor. This is Survival Time. Beans, rice, and bullets. See you on the flip side. Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news. My head's been wet with the in my dew. I've been down on bended knee, talking to the man from Galilee. He spoke to me of a voice so sweet, I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sing. He called my name and my heart stood still, when he said, John, go do my will. Go tell that long-tongued liar, go and tell that midnight rider, tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter, tell him that God's gonna cut him down. God's gonna cut him down. You can run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Well, you may throw your rock, hide your hand. Working in the dark against your fellow man. But as sure as God made black and white, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. You can run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Whether using your cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. (laughs) 
countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. Survival of the fittest. In any and all situations, survival is your number one priority. That requires being tough and thinking smart. And the folks at Freeze-Dry Guy are going to help you do just that. They have a long-range patrol ration entrees, what they call the Brick Pack. When you're in survival mode, it is absolutely the best item for your survival pack or bug-out bag. You can go farther, faster, and carry more food with the LRP cold weather ration entrees. Not only do these long-lasting, durable entrees help sustain you or your family through the harshest environment or situation, they are by far the most delicious of their kind. No contest. With a variety of tasty entrees, you can't beat the LRP Brick Packs. Let Freeze-Dry Guy help you in your survival situations. Go to freezedryguy.com. That's freezedryguy.com. Or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us or under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Talking to the man from Galilee 
He spoke to me in a voice so sweet I thought I heard the shuffle of angels He called my name and my heart stood still Well, he said, John, go do my will Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Tell him that God's gonna cut him down You can run on for a long time Run on for a long time Run on for a long time Sooner or later gotta cut you down Sooner or later gotta cut you down all right, this is Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor. This is the 1st of March, 2012. This is a live show, 800-596-8191, For those of you with unlimited calling program uh, or uh, international callers, all right. American Voice Radio, your network of truth in a world of lies. I don't know if that's an official logo comment or saying, but boy, that's all we try to do here. Try to help you out, get you motivated, get your knowledge, get you, get the brain juices thinking and flowing in the right direction so that you can uh, survive and live another day. And the whole point of surviving and living is to take care of your family, to be here as a spiritual resource for Yahweh God, and to help your fellow man and make the world a better place. Truth, justice, in the American way. And all of the good patriotic stuff thrown in there with all that good spiritual and scriptural stuff. And we just like to be free and independent. I'm thinking of quite a few things here. You know, I'm right now in the process of actually physically might be able to buy myself five acres out here somewhere, folks. And I really would like to do that because even at this point in my life, I still want to grow an apple tree. I'd still like to put in some grapes, both table grapes and wine grapes. And I'd also like to grow some hops so I could be my own beer. I kind of look at it this way. I reload. I have firearms. I like playing with things that go bump in the night. And I really do enjoy cigars. I like to run some tobacco. So, uh, you know, I'm going to make my own alcohol for fuel for vehicles. And I'd like to, you know, make my own beer and wine. If I'm going to have the ATF come by, I might as well have them stop by just for one thing. You know, not for just one thing, but have, you know, they do alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives. Might have them come by and just do it all. Yeah, there's the black powder for reloading and shooting black powder. Uh, you know, that covers your explosives. Uh, there, There's reloading. That covers your guns, firearms. There's your alcohol for fuel. We know you've got that covered. See if I can't, uh, you know, accommodate them. Uh, got to have a place to do that, though. Got to have a place to put that still. Got to have a place to build a shop. Now, for those of you out there that live in areas where, now some of you live in parts of the country where you walk in and you say building permit, and they look at you funny and go, what? I know in certain places in Missouri, you say building permit, and they go, what? What's that? 
That ain't the case out here in the West Coast. You want to build a house in Jackson County, Oregon, Medford area? You can look at somewhere north of thirty-five to fifty thousand dollars in permits, fees, payments. I mean, unless you're wealthy, if you're going to buy bare land and build a house from scratch, good luck because they don't make it easy for you. And now they don't like the older septic systems. So when an older property comes up for sale, they're trying to force you to upgrade the septic. And if you're anywhere close to their city they services, they just want you to plug into it. Eh, people will fight them. Used to, you could, uh, you, you know, if you had five acres, you could, you could rent out a couple of spots for RVs. No, 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 not anymore. They don't even, they don't even want you to have more than five chickens. It's getting ridiculous. Now, these are things that I'm not going to, you know, hey, give me my five acres out there off of the beaten path. I'm not going to call you out to ask you for any permissions. I'll just do what I want to do, and you guys stay over there and do what you do. Tyson, knock it off. Sorry about that if you've heard anything in the background, folks. I, uh, slight, slight issue here. Uh, so what you need to do is, uh, if you are in an area that does the building permit thing, there are ways around that without attracting a tremendous amount of attention. If you want to build a shop, the most convenient and cheapest way to start with a shop is you go ahead and you get your foundation down, and then you go get yourself three shipping containers. You can get by with two, but I like the idea of using three, uh, the idea of using the 48-foot extended shipping container. And you put one across the back and then two down the sides for the walls. Of course, now you have three really nice areas to store additional stuff in. And then, of course, you bridge the, the gap, and you can put a, a just a simple roof up on top of that. And if you get the high cubes, they'll go up 12 feet, and you can set them up on one-foot foundation block high on the edges. Uh, so that you'll have a 13-foot ceiling on the inside of your shop with a couple of roll-up doors. Now you can bring in uh, pretty much just about anything you've got and work on it out of the weather, um, turn around and store stuff, and build a little loft in the back. And what you can do, uh, another, another thing I've seen is guys have taken and welded on four to six-foot little supports on top of the shipping container and then put the ceiling up there and then use the, the roofs of the shipping containers to stack stuff. Have a little forklift and just uh, put it on pallets and just from inside the shop, just stick it right up on the, on the, on the roof of the shipping container. It's still inside. And one fellow, he took and he built his container as uh, he put the put the ceiling down, but he he used a steel reinforced uh, um, 
I-beams, and then put a foundation on the top, put a floor, and built an apartment on top of that. Now, I did all this without their building permits because the shipping containers could be put in place without any licensing. There was no restrictions on them. They're not a permanent building. They're a mobile device. They're, you know, that's technical. Once they see a structure that's kind of semi-permanent, they might want to try to come and get picky Yoon. But there are a lot of legal maneuvers and things that you can do until the process really gets swinging around. And the tree that you might want to, I know some of you are against hybrid anything. But in some circumstances, I do find that there are things that have value. And one of the hybrid trees in the world that I think has a tremendous value, especially to folks like us, is the aus tree, uh, A-U-S-S, aus tree, I think is how it's spelled. It's from Australia. It's a, it's a variation of a eucalyptus tree. It's very fast growing. Um, they can be grown as a hedgerow. They can be grown as a stand-up, standalone tree. They can be put in a, a tight formation. They're soft wood. They grow really quick. You can uh, use them for firewood if you have to. Uh, I know several people have grown them as stands around their property on the outer perimeters to help uh, cut down wind, uh, add shade to the area. Like you can take a bare-rooted ostrich tree, they come at six-foot bare root, and give it plenty of water through the summer. If you plant it this spring, by by the fall, it'll be almost 20 feet tall. So they're they're quick growing, and uh, they get real real uh, real fluffy and bushy. And it all depends on how you trim them. Uh, you can go to some of the websites and look up ostriches and look up the ostriches in uh, uh, England that they turned into a uh, a maze. And it's actually very pretty. Uh, it shows what some of the versatility can be done with these trees. Well, what you can do is if you live on a piece of property that not necessarily have a lot of trees, is uh, you can put your, your shop in and on the back of the property and strategically uh, in line to the road where it might be able to be viewed or seen. You plant a bunch of ostriches trees and, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of, kind of thing. And when you're doing shops, and buildings and structures that you don't want a lot of attention to, go with natural and earth tone colors. I mean, by God, don't go with, you know, pink with red trim. I mean, uh, if you want to try to hide it out, unless you're in a pink desert. But if you're just out there and about, you know, a nice tan or a brown, uh, subtle colors, you know, you keep it, keep it toned down, keep it muted. And if you're going to build an apartment on the top, and uh, not use it yourself or rent it out, yeah, you have to be discrimination. You use some discrimination on your on your uh, rentee. Tell them you don't want them to use the address there. Uh, tell them part of the rental agreement is they have to use a P.O. box. That way you keep their mail and their voter registration and everything off of your property. Therefore, the county doesn't have documentation that shows more than X amount of people are occupying said piece of property. Well, we're going to have to be creative to survive. Uh, you know, real estate values, uh, even though they're having all these foreclosures, you need to be creative out there if you're going to try to get a piece of property and uh, turn it into something. And that's definitely why you want land. You want acreage. You want chickens. You want to get some Barbados sheep. You know, those are little, they're, they're like little, they look like little goats, but they call them Barbados sheep. We've talked about them here before. They're very good meat. 
pickle. It doesn't matter how old they get, they don't get too stringy and tough. They're about the size of a medium dog. They're easy to slaughter. Uh, you know, you can cook one up and eat it in a, in a, you can either freeze part of it and make chops out of it and make stews, stews and soups, have a fresh leg uh, from, from that slaughter. And, you know, you can eat them pretty quick in one week or you can take your time, have them in the freezer and, uh, you know, eat, eat them over a month. But you can keep them, uh, they'll keep the grass down, you know, have your yard fenced off and cross-fenced and sectionized, sectionalized. And move them around from section to section. Let them be your lawnmower. They'll take care of do a good job. Animals, when they know they have a consistent supply of food, tend to not overgraze an area. Now, if you leave them in the same place constantly and don't ever move them and don't do anything to improve the grass, yeah, that's when they're going to eat into the roots because they're hungry. But if you let them just run a section of that yard for a couple of, for a week, 10 days, and then move them, they'll get the picture. They know they're going to be moving around from place to place, and, and, and they see that the grass is greener. They know instinctively not to over overgraze so that there will always be resources to come back to. Well, that's part of being in good animal husbandry and taking care of your, your, your little ranch, your little mini ranch. And for those of you that don't have a big piece of property, try uh, try dwarf trees. You know the fruit's not dwarf. You're just not going to get as much, but you can get off of you can get full size apples off of a dwarf apple tree, and you can wind up putting those in some nice size containers and you know getting them up to about four, five, six feet tall, and they'll produce a few apples for you every year. You can do the same thing with pear. Um, we have somewhat cold winters here, but not too horrible. I'm going to try to uh, I'm going to try to make myself a little thermal area, where I'm actually going to have some. Uh, I'm going to use a piping system off of my still to run hot water through certain sections of the property, and that's where I'm going to try and plant some citrus trees. And in the winter, I'm going to have plastic walls, panel walls, uh, made out of two by twos with the with just like uh, heavy duty, you know milled to plastic sheeting over it and uh, try to keep some citrus trees. Try for a couple of lemon and lime. I really love lemons and limes and a, maybe a tangerine and an orange tree and a grapefruit. I'm going to get myself five bee boxes and do my own honeybees, put them centrally located and let them take care of the, we grow pear trees around here well and apples. So I'm going to go with pears and apples and some plums and try to have my own little ranch and you know, with the grapes and the hops and making my own alcohol fuel, I think, I think I can put myself in a, in a position to survive uh, as long as there's some semblance, some semblance of society, as long as we protect each other in our communities. Now, if there's a total breakdown like Mad Max, well, like we said before, it's a different set of survival. That's where you better already have your caches out with everything buried, have your beans and rice and your bullets well stored and well prepared for the rainy day. And then being prepared for it to go either way, either way. So in the meantime, I don't know about you, if you've been paying attention to the Monsanto and the food companies. By the way, side piece of information, 
those of you who live in an area where there's a lot of ADM farming going on, you might actually want to buy ADM crop. Archer Daniels Midland. Archer Daniels Midland sells so much product to Europe, and no European, the EU, is not allowed GMO, period. They allow nothing genetic. So since Archer Daniels Midland deals so much with Europe, they don't do anything here in the United States GMO either. They're the only one of the four big companies that doesn't. So that's something to, you know, put in the back of your thinker that you might want to go ahead and do business with ADM for a non-genetically altered uh, product. Don't mean that they don't make seeds that die, terminator seed products, but they, they do what they do have. It's not going to be genetic. But if you've got your own property, of course, you can get your own heirloom seeds and you start collecting your own seeds and uh, regrowing your own products. Uh, be wary. I did find this out. Most commercial and grocery stores, zucchini and yellow squash, it's almost 90% unless you go to the organic section and get it where it specifically says not GMO. The majority of squash and zucchini, unfortunately, in America now, in your standard run-of-the-mill grocery store, Safeway, Albertsons, Publix, et cetera, et cetera, Piggly Wiggly, Winn-Dixie, you know, whoever, Food Lion, is GMO. Tomatoes, for the most part, aren't. Several other crops aren't. But I do know that the, that the uh, zucchini and the squash are heavy, heavy into GMO. So these are things you want to start looking out for. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, issues with the food are coming up. I know you you've heard them attacking the uh, the uh, people about the raw milk and uh, butter and cheese and things like that. That now you're going to have to become a, in a co-op or you pay into a goat herd or or buy a milk cow and have the guy milk it for you and pay a milking fee so that you can get your own raw dairy products, which are good and healthy for you. And, and uh, it should be what you're going to drink if you are going to drink milk, goat's milk, and then uh, even raw hum- uh, Jersey, 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 Jersey cow milk is actually the, the best cow milk for human beings, I have, uh, to my understanding. So um, you want to, you want to, in the past, I've said, you know, you survive on what you can. You know, just because I'm becoming a better eater of food on a day-to-day basis when I have the choices that I can make now, doesn't mean I'm not going to eat an MRE when the time comes if I have to. No matter how bad that MRE may be loaded up with certain uh, preservatives or other, other additives, I'm still going to consider that food because I can't. You can get down to where you can make a lot of these things yourself. But the technology for retort packing like MREs are found in, boy, that's just expensive. Very, very expensive. And you have to really know what you're doing to package something that will last 25 years and still be edible. So best left to the professional. That's the kind of item that when you pray over your food, you're asking God to, you know, give you a miracle, a suspension of damage to your body, like your immune system. And our immune systems are amazing. But we've just so overloaded our immune systems 
today in our society, and we have such distressed crops. I mean, the reason why we're all so hungry is because the food that is grown and given to us, even if it's grown, you know, the, the ground has been robbed of most of its nutrients. And they keep, you know, chemically altering it and keep chemically pushing it around and trying to make us uh, eat that kind of stuff and call it good for us. And we know it's not. So, like I say, having your own little property and having a garden, you know, there's a, it's called square foot gardening. You can look that up online, square foot gardening. And that gives you all kinds of techniques on how to plant. You know, the, the nice, fancy, defined separation of rows is not always necessary. You can clump certain crops and certain vegetables together, and it actually benefits each other, reduces the water usage, uh, cuts down on insects, um, and, and it takes a small area and gives you greater yield. You can grow more crop. And... Even if you took 30 bucks worth of seeds, organic fertilizer, and had a small garden, and you produced enough stuff through this summer, through the fall, you know, to give yourself some fresh salads and fresh tomatoes and your own zucchini and your own squash, you could you could knock five six hundred dollars off your food bill and be eating really really good food for that little investment, plus the relaxing time of going out and enjoying being in your garden. Getting away from the boob tube, walking around your garden. You know what? Plant some flowers just for the fun on the edge of your garden. It smells good, brings beneficial insects in, uh, looks nice, make you feel good. You grew that. Your hand. You created a life. Uh, it'll make you feel better. Get your mind well along with your body. And that's the whole point of the garden. You know, health. Healthy living. Take care of yourself. And then you take your surplus and you can it. Get your tattler canning woods. Get your ball and mason jars. Keep collecting those puppies. Keep collecting them. Get them, get them, get them, get them. Get them while you can. ReusingCanningLids.com, ReusableCanningLids.com, Hatler out of Colorado. And then uh, you can turn around and put up your, put up your, uh, do some green beans and some snap peas and snap beans and green peas and cook them up and can them and uh, have your stuff all through the winter. And those of you, then you get some practice in, and the next year you might find two or three more areas around your house that you want to, you know what, that was a good deal. I, I, I like my green beans. I think I want to plant some more bean plants. Or I really like my squash, and I froze a bunch of that squash, and I had it all through the winter. Now, there is some uh, techniques to freezing squash. Uh, you want to look up uh, and, and look into some blanchings, because I find that if you'll blanch, uh, uh, and then freeze uh, it tends to hold up better and you definitely want to seal in the old machine when freezing because if you just try to use a Ziploc bag that's good for short term but not for long term because you will build up ice crystals on the inside which kind of lead to freezer burn 
makes the food then kind of not taste so good. So, of course, you can always cook your squash or your zucchini and then and, and can it and just, uh, you know, reheat it. Do your squash with a little bit of garlic and onion and then can it. Boy, I tell you. And if you're just by yourself, you, I know it costs a little bit more money, but you get half pints. You can can half pints. And uh, what you can do is you make your own chili, cook up some rice, put your put all your, you know, I like a nice substantial chili with vegetables in it, bell pepper and onion and garlic and, you know, different things. Sometimes I'll put olives in there, black and green. Make up a nice chili. I like to put a little bit of rice with it to expand it. And you sit there, you know, I, I use a pint. And I just make a rice chili, and, and you know, my own little 16-ounce jar of rice chili. Can it. And then later on, I may not eat the whole jar, but I can take it and put it in the refrigerator. can open it up and eat half of it, heat it back up. Uh, maybe have a fresh garden salad. Uh, I've got chili that I cooked last year. Took all that labor of time and made a great big giant pot of it. Canned up 48 jars of it. Had some that day and, you know, all kinds of things you can do out there, folks. You can cut your overhead. It's amazing what you do when you sit down and start to think about it. And as you start to cut that overhead, you know, and you start to add, all of a sudden you're going to start having money. You're going to say, wow, I used to be broke at this time last last month. Now i got $100 sitting here. Well, I'm not going to, you know, get all excited and act like I'm rich. But now I can actually afford a couple more boxes of that 45 ammo that I've been wanting. I can afford that knife. I can get that compass. I can get that small pair of extra binoculars that I wanted, and those two binoculars. You know, I can build up my kit a little bit more. All right, there's Mr. Klein. This is going to be the last half hour coming after this break. We're going to talk about guns, firearms, and other assorted related survival goods. This is Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor. Beans, rice, and bullets. World orders painted armies on our ground with soldiers dressed in black and blue to aim the crosshairs of their guns at the end. I know a man who lives way up in Idaho Whose sole desire was only to be left alone One day he sold a so-called friend a gun One day the federal troops showed up Shot his wife and son. It's coming down. It's all around. The new world order training armies on our ground. Stormtroopers dressed in black and
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Does the cost and risk of conventional healthcare concern you? Wouldn't you prefer inexpensive solutions to health problems rather than disease management? If so, tune into Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your healthcare options just became endless. Survival of the fittest. In any and all situations, survival is your number one priority. That requires being tough and thinking smart. And the folks at Freeze Dry Guy are going to help you do just that. They have the long-range patrol ration entrees, what they call the Brick Pack. When you're in survival mode, it is absolutely the best item for your survival pack or bug-out bag. You can go farther, faster, and carry more food with the LRP cold weather ration entrees. Not only do these long-lasting, durable entrees help sustain you or your family through the harshest environment or situation, they are by far the most delicious of their kind. No contest. With a variety of tasty entrees, you can't beat the LRP Brick Packs. Let Freeze Dry Guy help you in your survival situations. Go to FreezeDryGuy.com. That's FreezeDryGuy.com. Or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Way down upon a Waco, Texas farm, I saw the lawless law there flex its long meat on. Before the sealed search warrants could even be served, the ATF shot up the place. Somebody what they deserve. It's coming down. It's in your town. The new world order's training arm is on our ground. Stormtroopers dress in black and blue. I bet their leaders think they're fooling. Foreign troops they train upon American soil. The 
They had to sneak around like snakes that slither in coil. And while the people turned their heads complacently, the federal income tax goes up to fund this tyranny. It's coming down. It's coming down all around. This is Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor. This is the last half hour of the show. We don't normally take a phone call when it's during this show, but I'm kind of weak and thin on the firearms tonight. I was going to talk about things in general related to firearms term. I had nothing really heavy-duty specific. So I'm going to go ahead and take a call. we got a caller in. we got Lane from Texas. We're going to find out what Lane would like to ask. Go ahead, Lane. Hey, Richard. Well, uh, I, I, I'm really, uh, uh, you know, of course, every week you, you talk about firearms and you do a great job. I, I'm fairly into the black rifles, and uh, you put the shame, and trust me, you, you get out there. This Richard knows his firearms, but I, I still think, even though with all the descriptions, there are people out there that says, okay, push me. I need somebody. Just tell me what to buy. Because <laughs> I was there 20 years ago. I was looking for an AR-15 and an AK, and I kept asking, you know, I couldn't, you know, I wanted to buy something, but I didn't know what to buy. And, and you can override, you can have the final say here, but here's what I tell people. If you want to buy an AR-15, I'll make it real simple, buy a Colt or a Bushmaster. You can't get along with either one. I've owned both of them. I haven't owned all the others. That's the only two I own. I'm telling you what I know about. Colt or Bushmaster. Colt has good resale and make a quality product. Bushmaster actually makes, I think, a better rifle take the finish on them, if they're heavier, you just can't go along with either one of them. So if that's going to push somebody right off in the right direction, now they can go buy it, maybe so. I hope that worked. Uh, as far as overall recommendation, however, uh, I would recommend, like you do, uh, an AK-47 for just an overall rifle to have around and uh, one of the, you know, the stuff hits the fan-type scenario because it's, it's the round. Uh, the ammo is universal. The magazines are universal. The, that ammo has been coming in here for what, the last 35, 40 years. They've had literally tanker ships full of ammo. You can buy it at Walmart. So it makes the universal choice. It, it's kind of like the old 30 ounce that used to be. You know, you could go into any store in any hunting territory and always buy a 30 ounce six. Well, you can now do that with 7.60 by 39. The rifle was foolproof. Uh, People say, well, buy a mill receiver or a stamp receiver. And I, I would tell people what I tell people. I said, if you've got the money and you want to buy a real nice AK, by all means, buy a mill receiver. It's going to cost you 1200 bucks probably. But if you want the Cadillac, get a mill receiver. It, but the stamp receiver, perfectly fine, perfectly suitable. I would recommend if I were going to get the stamp receiver, go ahead and get a 1.6 mil uh, thick receiver which is something they came up with, I think, here in the U.S., maybe. Uh, I'm not real sure about this, but anyway, it's, it's an improvement. It's almost as rigid as the mill receiver, and uh, it, it's going to cost you about 750 I took that off of the RPK. The Yugoslavians had the thicker, heavier receivers okay. from the beginning. Yeah. And so, okay. um, so um, I'm trying to remember the name of the company, doggone it, that does uh, Spodak well, Nuts. I think the Vepper. The Vepper, the VEPR over there in Russia may have done it too, but I'm, I'm not sure who got it yeah, first. The yeah, the, Soviet is, the Vepper is a Soviet gun, and it's it's the thicker, 
has the thicker uh, uh, sheet metal in it too. So um, one I remind yeah, everybody to avoid is to be very careful when looking at a Wasser tin because they overcut the magazine wells. Those are the ones that were brought in as single-stack 10-round magazines during the van, and they still bring them in because they can bring them in because they're 10-round. They're considered a non, you know, they're not a, an assault weapon. They're a sporting firearm, and so they come in complete, and all they do is cut out the magazine well to accept the fat 30-round magazine, and they don't always cut them right. And they've been stitched exactly. to TAPCO, two TAPCO plastic well, bags, yeah. which, which are oversized. Yeah. And then you don't get the uh, the use of good quality surplus steel mags. Now, if you shop around and you've got one at a gun show or at a gun shop, and it is a Wasser 10 and the price is just right, and you can stick a 30-round mag in and it don't rattle and shake all over the place. On the other side of that coin is, when they built that, they had to use a narrower bolt to strip the rounds off the single-stack mag, and they don't change and put a fatter bolt back in, although it can accept the fatter, regular, wider bolt. But you can go to some place like um, oh, um, uh, Apex Arms out of Colorado and for 35 40 bucks order a bolt that will you can stick in there, a regular standard AK bolt, but what happens is if you get a really sloppy, loose Wasser tin that rattles back and forth, it won't pick up one side if the magazine's leaning with that skinny bolt. It can it can fail to feed. So, but you got to be careful. If you got if it takes the magazine tight, then you typically don't have a problem. But you want it to take a steel, metal military mag, nice and snug and tight. Yeah. You, you know, one out is uh, they're bringing the, the Beppers back in now. Uh, you know, Robinson Arms had imported them and then dropped them for, I won't go into the reason, but they made a real nice rifle. They're bringing them back in now, but you have to watch out. They are the 10-round proprietary mag. They, they do not take high-capacity mags. So it sounds like it's uh, the real deal, but uh, you're back to the 10-round mag, so you might as well buy something else out there. I will say that Arsenal of Las Vegas, Mike's one of the nicest AKs right now oh, in yeah, the country no, I, here. They're, they're just beautiful. I recommend to people to buy the Arsenal. Uh, and if you've got $1,500 burning a hole in your pocket and you want an excellent, outstanding milled AK, then you go to a guy, you have to look him up online. It's called Elite Galil. He's out of, I think he's out of Mississippi or Louisiana. And he builds, or maybe Texas, and he builds, he takes Galil parts kits, 223, 5.56 Galil, and turns around and builds a 762 by 3.9 gun for you. He's here for a while. That's where I live. It's Elite Firearms, and I bought several of his products. Let me just put it this way. He knows his AKs. Oh, first day today, and he's good. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So he's, All uh, right, he's, well, <laughs> I just want to throw my two cents on on that. And I will say, when it comes to ARs, you should go and take a look at uh, at the SIG arms because, see, they're gas tube, piston-driven. Oh, absolutely. And they, or absolutely. you get away from the gas tube. And I'll tell you, Colt, in their infinite wisdom, if they would ever get smart, 
they would move into a piston-driven weapon. So well, maybe, well, there, I would absolutely uh, get a SIG 5.56, five, but I, I, the only reason I didn't bring that up is because it's technically not an AR-15. It's an AR-15 spinoff, and it costs, usually costs a little more, but, uh, oh, undoubtedly, but some people want to go back and get the uh, Vietnam look. Off, you know. here's, here's a psychological thing. If you're trying to tell most American males to buy an AK-47, they look at you like you're a commie. I want an AR-15. That's what we had, you know, and that's what you're into, and that's what they want to buy. And you know, it's hard oh, to convince them. You know, I, otherwise, I spent, I spent 12 years in the army. I know that mentality that you served in the. You know, you you. Here's the thing, it's like in World War II. I mean, you had all these millions of guys who were forced to carry a firearm, and after World War II. The sheer numbers of them that never wanted to see another gun ever again was just, you know, guys didn't even go hunting after World War II. They'd have been avid hunters. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. And, and not everybody is mentally geared to thinking about surviving post-apocalyptic tumult and, and, and things that are going to occur in this world. And they have to think about a weapon that has no... The reason that we talk about the AK so much here and, and, and gas piston versus tube, gas tube weapons is the reliability because we don't have Black Hawk helicopters kicking us out cases of ammo and bringing us new weapons when, we want, when the one we've got breaks. So we have to spend our dollars wisely now and get the best we can afford to buy. And... And for this very reason, I, I oh, three shows ago, was talking about investing in AR-15s because right now I can actually build them for right around 600 bucks. And depending between now and October, if a guy had some spare cash, instead of buying gold and silver, he bought five or ten AR-15s that he built, uh, you know, by buying the lowers at the right place, the right price and putting all the parts together, and, and had these set aside, uh, just before the election, I think prices are going to probably bump up to $1,000, $1,200, and if a certain individual gets reelected, they'll be two or $3,000. And if you, wanted to, if you wanted to, you know, do some dollar cost averaging, you save a little bit of money, uh, you know, make a little bit of money, to buy the other things that you know you need and want for your survival larder, I have no problem with making some money uh, doing one thing. Just provide a good, you know, don't don't buy junk. Make sure it works. Put together a good quality product. Don't don't sell something you wouldn't use yourself in, in a pinch if you had to. Um, you know, I I like the idea of the AR-15 being so lightweight, but there are just too many incidents and too many things for me to want to rely my life, the life of my family and friends. And, and if I'm going to do that, I'm going to go Klajnikov. Uh, I was just looking at my inventory and, you know, I have everything but my long, long range weapon. And I, and I wouldn't like mind getting a, a, and although a dragon off is not Klajnikov, it's within that family. It's, it's in that genre. I would like to get a, uh, uh, 760 by 54R long range rifle. Uh, something precision, you know, like a Dragon Off or a Tiger. 
but uh, everything else. I mean, down the shotgun, squirrel gun, two two three five point four five by thirty nine, seven six two by thirty nine. I have that all covered in Kalashnikov, in one variation or another. Heavy barrel, light barrel, pistol size, rifle size. I've got them all, and uh, I don't have an AR. Uh, I've actually been toying with the idea of picking up another Mini-14 now that you can actually buy factory magazines reasonably priced. Because I look at the whole point of the Mini-14, it's not reliable without a factory Ruger mag. And I'm not going to pay $100 for a 30-round mag. Right now is a good time to look on the gun boards like AR15.com or StrimGivar.com because the market's kind of flat right now. People are kind of hurting. They're letting their guns go for, I won't say it's cheap, but they're they're the lowest outside of the last election. So, uh, you know, if somebody wants to buy something, this would be a nice period between now and you know, the fall of uh, looking at it because uh, summer is notorious for dealers. They start getting kind of hungry during the summer months and they start dropping their prices at the gun shows. So, oh, yeah. Well, uh, now it's time to buy stuff. When gold was three and $400 an ounce, I'd buy it. But now I can't justify spending seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars for an ounce of gold. So what I do is I buy a Smith and Wesson snub nose revolver. I'm picking them up anywhere from three hundred to three hundred and sixty bucks, depending on which model and condition. And then I buy a box of ammo. I put it in a thirty caliber can, the cleaning kit, a couple of HKS speed loaders, uh, a focus holster. A uh, gun rug, uh, plenty of patches, oil, and everything, and I set that in one thirty caliber ammo can. And now for about four four fifty, I have something that when the balloon goes up, I mean, gonna be a lot of guys with bows running around. How many people are gonna have guns available that they're willing to let go? And that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm, I'm buying guns that you know, and I won't even turn my nose up. If somebody offers me a Rossi for a hundred bucks, a thirty eight. Rossi, I'll buy it because I'll tell you they're not that bad a gun, and it's better than I've no gun at They're all. a great pistol. They're a great pistol. Yeah, a dead knockoff of a Smith and Wesson. <laughs> Even a Bulldog. I, I I like some of the Bulldogs, the the Charter Arms. I like their little five shot forty fours. That's a little, well, I, think, little... I think they're good for women because they're lightweight, and, and uh, I, I dated a girl once. I, I took her to the range one time. I said, look, I, this is all we're going to shoot you this, but I just want you to kind of know what to expect. We fired one cylinder, and that's it, and, and that's all she needed. And, you know, we didn't, it's not something we take out and fire every day, uh, especially the lightweights because, you know, it's not going to hold up as well as a total ball steel frame. It'll, it'll do what it's intended to do. And, in fact, I don't want to reshot it because I said, you know, I know what it's going to do. I'm not even going to bother shooting it because it's just a lightweight carry pistol, and, and that's what they're for. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah that's that's gonna like... Go ahead. Oh, did you have a question? One more question, Wayne? Oh, I, yeah, I was going to say, uh, you were talking about the alcohol fuel and, and 12 to 1 compression ratio, and I'm thinking, wouldn't that detonate at 12 to 1 compression ratio, or, or what's going to keep it from, from detonating, you know, with that high compression ratio on the alcohol fuel? You know, I didn't get all the details on that, but he was bragging on that. He was on a local talk show. Ho show. He was actually here in town today, 
and I did not, I could not get away to go go listen to his his talk, unfortunately. But he, he was saying that that they, they're revamping the older Ford and Chevy pickup trucks with the higher compression engines and the Dodges, and they they use they don't waste any alcohol. They get full energy out of it. They take maximum advantage of it. And he was bragging on the fact that 10 to 1, 12 to 1 ratio was absolutely excellent, perfect for use of alcohol. So you, if you go to that website, um, permaculture.com, he's got YouTube videos on there and, and explanations of everything much better than I could do, much better than I could do. And I'm sure he would be able to fully answer your question. On that, and he's got a phone number, and he's a real nice guy. David Bloom's the guy's name, and you might want to look into that. Uh, I tell you, I'm I'm definitely going to build a still and and start manufacturing. But even if I just do it for myself, you know, I'm in an agricultural area, and we have enough. We have uh, Gerber uh, wholesale. Uh, actually, it's um, it's a different food company, but they contract for Gerber. And I know a couple of guys that work down there, and they have 55-gallon barrels of uh, of uh, different fruit that spoils all the time, and they just send it to the dump, and uh, or to a compost. And uh, I'm just going to start seeing if I can't pick up, you know, a few barrels of whatever it is—plums, pears, apples, whatever it is. Plus, we have around here uh, our pear trees, uh, Harry and David. It's been it's been so so uh, poor economy wise. The last two years, they've let the pears just go fall to the ground, and they've actually opened up and let anybody come in and pick anything they want. Oh my God, you could run through and pick enough pears to you know and, and ferment them and make enough alcohol fuel in the, uh, next fall to last you the whole year. Sure. And and I look at it this way, you know, if you can make it for south of 50 cents a gallon my god what can't you do then and here's the other beauty about that if you if you make enough where it's more than just even your driving needs turn that into a generator go completely off the grid who needs their smart meter then who needs their smart meter then solar panels and Heavy batteries, too. <laughs> Heavy batteries. Well, I, I enjoy your show tremendously, and uh, I'll, uh, we're probably out of time anyway, but uh, I appreciate yeah, it. Thank, well, you. thank you very much. In fact, you reminded me I, I needed to give my uh, my quick down and dirty uh, uh, around the smart meter, so let me go ahead and do that. Thanks for calling, Lane. You bet. God bless. Hey, what I did want to tell you all earlier about the smart meter, how to get around that, uh, if you're going to be stuck having to be on the power grid, what you can do is build a battery house. Have an electrician, professional electrician, come out and move your box with your meter to the battery house. You need two sets of batteries. Okay? You can use a series of relay switches into one inverter. Trace is a company that makes a great inverter. So you want to get one big enough for your whole house, and you want to get enough Trojan L16 batteries those are six-volt batteries. You need them in pairs. And you need several of them. You need to determine your electrical usage. And what you would do is uh, you could get remote switches, which are going to cost you a lot, or you can get manual switches. So it means you'd have to physically go out and do this. But what you would do is you would run a battery charger, a heavy-duty professional charger, not just a little car one, 
but one to charge your Trojan L16s, you make one charging station, one trace inverter station, two battery sections. You have isolator switches. When you're on to the A bank, you're charging the B bank. The A bank is disconnected from the charge and it is only run in the house, providing your electrical power. After so much hours of usage, they're going to be drained. You go out and switch. And you put the charge now back onto the A bank, and now you put the you switch into the trace to use the B bank to run the house. Now what you've done is your smart meter is away from your home, on the back of your property, going in if this is they won't give you a non smart meter. Okay? Your electricity comes in, it's only running a battery charger, charging your batteries. There is no reading of any appliance or anything. And when you're using the electricity off of your battery house, it's all isolated. And that's the way around it if you're forced to be in a situation where you can't get away from that. Yes, that will cost a couple of thousand dollars. Those batteries are not cheap. About, uh, depending on where you get them, 150 to $200 a piece sometimes. You've got to shop around for them. I've seen them as low as the $96 but inflation and who's got it and whatever. There is options. You can go down to a, good, a major golf course and they'll get golf cart batteries, and that's where the Trojan L-16 is used quite a bit. And they'll be re- rebuildable, but they get to the point where they don't want they, they don't hold the charge as long and uh, for a golf cart, and they've got clients running around the golf course. They don't want to even slow down and, and get sluggish. So they'll replace them. And you can buy those from them real cheap, and you can send them down to a place like the Battery Doctor or take them to Batteries Plus or several others and have them, have them service, have them re, uh, re, uh, recharged with a new, new uh, acid and have them uh, checked over. And you're going to use them. In that case, if you bought them for 20 bucks a piece, you could afford to buy four times as many, and you could make uh, four charging banks or just make two heavier heavier banks and uh, you know you're going to drain them down quick uh, quicker than you would for brand uh, you know some uh, one set of brand new ones but you've got it doubled now you're still going to get the power out of that the other thing you can do with your battery house is you can put some uh, you can start acquiring solar panels you can put a wind power it's for supplemental there's all kinds of uh, options you can build a generator into that for emergency backup of power you can buy solar stoves and put them on southern exposure, solar oven. And the thing gets hot enough to cook a roast, bake pies, biscuits, bread. And you can always hang your laundry out on a line to dry. All right, this is the end of another show. Uh, thank you for uh, listening, and uh, we hope you uh, have a good week. This is Richard McGregor. This is Survival Time. Beans, rice, and bullets, and God bless. And goodbye, baby. Kids and the dogs and me. I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. Country boy can survive.
I can plow a field all day long. I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn. Make our own whiskey and our own smoke, too. Ain't too many things these old boys can't do. Good old tomatoes and homemade wine And country boy can survive Country folk can survive Because you can't drive a crowd And you can't make a run Those little small boys say Don't shot guns We say great We say ma'am If you ain't into that We don't give a damn From the West Virginia coal mines and the Rocky Mountains and the Western skies. And we can skin a bus, we can run a trot line, and a country board. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial short-wing frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU van free-to-air satellite system. AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit American Voice radio.com and click the satellite system. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug 
for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the Premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Oh, my God. 
right, good afternoon all, and welcome to the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 27th of February, 2015, and it's Friday. All right, it is Friday, and it's about eight minutes, uh, eight and a half minutes afternoon Pacific time out here. So if that all works out where you're at, wherever you are, check your uh, time zone and fix it up to Pacific time. And if it all works out what I told you, we are, in fact, live. So that means you can participate in the show. Pretty much that's the difference between live and recorded is you recorded. You really can't participate in the show, but you sure can still listen to it. But now you can participate. Uh, Well, right now. And if you are listening to this as a, you know, replay, well, then you can't. But anyway, you uh, all have access to uh, calendars and clocks, so you can figure it out. But if we are live where you're at right now, go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Those are the addresses to the website. They go to actually different locations kind of that redundancy thing I try to do. It doesn't always work, but hey, it uh you know, it's the best plan I've got is redundancy. If one fails, the other one still works. Same with the streams, folks. There's six streams, okay? If one fails, five others. Two fails, four others, you know, you see? Anyway, TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Once you get there, you uh, if you look around at all, you'll see a link that says chat. Well, if you click that, you'll hit the chat room, and uh, you just need to pick a name, pick a password, and uh, put in your email, and you're in there. And once you're in there, you can ask questions. You can uh, make comments. You know, or not. You can also just, uh, you know, uh, chat with the other folks in there. There's only a few in there right now, but, uh, you know, it picks up. And the chat room is open 24-7. So there doesn't have to be a live show or even a show you're listening to. You can always go into the chat room and just chat with the other folks if you're lonely or you've got something you want to get off your chest or you just want to, you know, maybe you want, maybe you got a, a problem. Maybe you don't, you know, maybe you want to ask some, hey, what do you think I, uh, you know, I could do about this or that or the other thing? You know, it's always good to bounce ideas off of other people. So the chat room can be a good resource for you. And that's what it's there for is for you. You can also call in. That means you're going to get on the air. 855-566-3738. Okay, that is toll-free, 855-566-3738. All right? So there you have it. There it is. Okay. So let's get on to some news. Uh, Here's a good one. Well, you're going to like this, folks, because here we go again. The Congress has screwed you one more time. 
Yes, that's right, your beloved Republican Congress that you just voted in there so overwhelmingly because they made such wonderful promises to you. Guess what? All those promises were nothing but lies. Because they just bent you over the hood one more time. That's right. John Boner and his little cohort, McConnell, in the Senate, screwed the American people one more time. And why? Oh, because we can't have the Department of Homeland Security shut down. Really? Why not? Why can't we have them shut down? I read you an article on the statistics about, oh, how terrorizing terrorism's been. We haven't had any terrorist attacks in this country, okay? And it's not because Department of Homeland Security's on the ball and they're stopping it. Hell, they can't even stop unarmed Mexicans from coming across our border. You think they're going to actually stop terrorists? <laughs> That's a good one. Folks, you got to be kidding me. The best thing that could ever happen in this country, well, maybe not the best thing, because the best thing to ever happen in this country if the Federal Reserve got shut down. But, uh, you know, Homeland Security's right up there anyway. If they got shut down, uh, guess what? Oh, I'm sure something bad would happen, because you know what? They'd make it happen. That's right. Homeland Security gets shut down. Congress stands up and actually grows a pair. And guess who's going to get into action? Oh, yeah, that's right. The CIA spooks will talk to their buddy over at Blackwater. I mean, uh, uh, Z. Oh, I mean, academia. Oh, I mean, ISIS. And uh, they'll get over there and they'll say, hey, we need a terrorist attack. We need something to show that we got we, you know, we have to have Homeland Security to protect us or we're all dead, dead, I tell you. And that's what they would do, folks. They've got the whole game rigged. They get on there and they tell you how important they are and how lucky you are they exist because, see, you're still alive, and that's because we exist. Oh, yeah, well, I don't believe you. So you take away their money and shut them down, and, oh, next thing you know, there's a terrorist attack. Why is that? Well, well, obviously it's because we were shut down, and the FBI and the CIA don't exist. No, it's not because of that. It's because they went out and created a terrorist incident so they could justify their own existence like they've been doing all along. Folks, this is not a new idea. This is not a new idea at all. Ask anybody who grew up on the East Coast uh, when I was a kid. Hey, how you doing? Looks like you've got a nice business here. Yeah, nice place. You know, be a shame, you know, if a fire happened and burned you to the ground and uh, you didn't have any uh, insurance. You know what I mean? So, uh, tell you what, 100 bucks a week and uh, I can provide you with uh, fire insurance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and guess what? If you buy the fire insurance, your place doesn't burn down. And if you don't buy the fire insurance, they light your place on fire and burn it to the ground. That's exactly what the United States government is doing with this whole terrorist war. This is simple stuff, folks. It's been going on forever. Hey, come on. When are you going to catch on? I mean, look, I, I get the whole too much fluoride, too much aluminum, too much of this, too much of that, but... You know, I mean, look, 
when something is so obvious in front of your face, uh, I don't care how much aluminum you've been eating or how much fluoride you've been sucking down, you ought to be able to see it. Anyway, how did they do you this time in Congress? Well, here you go. Congress closed today on approving a short-term spending bill for the Homeland Security Department that would avert a partial agency shutdown. Oh, the legislation also, here it comes. Are you bent over, folks? Are you? Good, because here it comes. The legislation also leaves intact Obama administration executive actions on immigration that Republicans have vowed to overturn. But they didn't. The, the, huh, here's something from Harold Rogers, a Republican from Kentucky. The House must pass this bill in short order to keep the lights on at the Department of Homeland Security in the near term. Why? Why? I, honestly, why? Why do they have to stay on? Why do they have to stay in business? Oh, do we have too many rights? Is that it? Because that's what Homeland Security, that's the only thing Homeland Security accomplishes is diminishing any rights you might still have. So do you, do you feel a little too free? Do you have too many rights? Oh, well, then you need Homeland Security. But you know what? If you think your rights are being infringed, if you don't feel as free as you used to feel, then you don't need Homeland Security. As a matter of fact, what you need is Homeland Security shut down, evacuate the building, and burn it to the ground. And let's pretend it never happened. Unbelievable. But this is what your Congress did. That's right. Another Republican, Steve Womack, says it's the best solution that we have available to us right now. Nobody wants to shut down the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, but you're wrong. Millions and millions, tens of millions of Americans want to shut down Homeland Security. Unbelievable. Get this. If they didn't do this, DHS would begin to shut down at midnight, furloughing 30,000 workers. Yeah, 30,000 workers. Guess what? Another 200,000 workers would be deemed essential. Well, now, wait a minute. Uh, let's see. If you've got 200,000 essential workers, that means you need them. Okay, I get that. And then you got 30,000 you're going to let go because they are non-essential. Well, you know what? If they're non-essential, then they should be fired. Obviously, you don't need them. If they're non-essential, you don't need them. Get rid of them. Stop paying them. Can you imagine what 30,000 workers at the Department of Homeland Security make? 
these people are probably pulling down at least 60, 70 grand a year, probably more, a lot of them. Unbelievable. You know, this is uh this, this is just this Congress, these Republicans are such a bunch of pathetic, stinking liars. You know what? Folks, everywhere where you are, you really need to get together and get get somebody to run against your incumbent Republican. No, another a conservative, whatever, get them to run against your Republican in a primary and get out there and get people to vote for them. It's time you said, hey, you know what? Screw you and, and Boner and his, his uh, you know, McConnell and the entrenched Republican scumbags because they're the same as the Democratic scumbags. They're there to screw the American people, and that's all. They lie, they cheat, they steal. They're all there for themselves, and they just want to bend you over the hood over and over and over again. Now, I don't have a lot of faith in the elections, folks, but you know what? What's the other choice? You know, you've got to, as they say in court, you have to first extinguish all your administrative remedies before you can move on to a judicial solution. And I believe the same is true for anything. You have to first try to, you you know, extinguish all other chances to straighten this out. And if none of that works, well then guess what? It's war. And nobody really wants war, but sometimes it is inevitable. When you have a tyrant that will not stop no matter what you do and starts monkeying with the apparatus to stop him, like fixing elections and such, well then it's time for war. I don't think we're at that time just yet because we haven't tried everything. We just keep doing the same stupid things over and over again. Let me beat my head on this wall some more because this gash isn't big enough just yet. Because how could it be? I'm still conscious. We have to stop that, folks, and do something new because it's not working. Okay? What we're doing, what we've been doing, is not working. Now, I don't have any problem with... You know, as a matter of fact, I encourage you to spend five minutes of your day making a telephone call to pick a scumbag, okay? Pick somebody in the government, whether it's the ATF, you want to leave a comment, uh, the FCC, your congressman, whoever. Pick a scumbag to call every day. It's five minutes out of your life, okay? It'll make you feel better. It might not accomplish much, but you know what? I say it might not accomplish much if only you're the only one doing it. But you know what? I don't know. You get about 10, 20 million people in America calling a scumbag every day for five minutes, every day. You know, put the dirt bags on speed dial if you have to. Maybe you could get it done in four minutes. You know, I mean... But if 20 million people or so did that every day, guess what? They'd start noticing that. They'd become concerned over this. Yeah, because you know what? They figure, and this is how they think. They figure, wow, if you're pissed off enough 
to actually grab a phone. Well, first, get up off your chair, grab a phone, dial a number, and actually rip them a new one. If you're willing to do that, well, you may be willing to blow their head off, too. This is how they think, folks. Why do you think they go, well, okay, how do you think, why do you think uh, surveys, okay, are are at all considered viable? Have you looked at them? I mean, they go, well, uh, nine out of ten Americans believe, and then they'll fill in the blank after that, right? Big headline. Oh, wow. You go, ooh, wow, nine out of ten believe this. Holy smokes. Either I'm 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 upset or I'm encouraged or something, but I'm I've I have an emotional response because ooh nine out of ten Americans believe. Well, then when you go to the poll that they took, and you go okay, well how'd you come, how'd you come to the idea that nine out of ten Americans believe anything? Well, we took a poll and here's how we did it because it's scientific, don't you know? Yes, we asked 842 people. What? You asked 842 people, and now you've got a headline saying 9 out of 10 Americans? Really? Well, here's why, folks, because they count everybody who participates as, I don't know, a million people or something? Yeah. Well, no, it'd be like half a million people, okay? And you might think, yeah, well, that's just those thinking polls. Really? Okay, how about something that really, how about something that costs money? How about business? Huh? How about that? How about something that's real and it actually financially affects people? Hmm? Let's talk about the Nielsen ratings. Do you know they do those exactly the same way they do polls? That's right. They send out surveys to a bunch of people, you know, and Nielsen actually puts out more than, you know, most polls do. But then again, they're doing markets. So in any given market, there might only be, you know, 500 people, 1,000 people in a market area. And not everybody fills them out. So they get the ones they get back. Let's say they get 500 in a market the size of L.A., which they probably get more like, I don't know, 1,500. So then what they do is they say, okay, here we go. What's everybody listening to? And they assign, uh, you know, okay, every household basically comes out to be worth about ten or 20,000 people. <laughs> okay. And then... They say, well, your station has this many million people listening to you, so therefore you can charge your advertisers this much money. But it's all based on BS, folks. And guess what else Nielsen does? And, oh, I'm sure the poll-taking people don't do this, but Nielsen does. They've admitted to doing it. And I'll even give you the bogus justification. But what Nielsen does is they send out their their surveys, and if you checked that you're Latino on there, guess what? Your answers now count times three. 
That's right. Your answers now count three times for three times as many families. You might be going, what? Oh, yeah, but Nielsen justifies this. You know how they justify it? They said, well, that's because uh, Latinos don't generally participate in a survey. Like, they'll get it, and they'll crumble it up and throw it in the garbage. They won't send it back in. So we know this, so we're going to count them by times three. That's their justification. Wow. Wow. Do you know why they're really doing it, folks? They're doing it so Mexican radio stations can charge more for their advertising and actually stay in business. That's right. Because when you sell advertising on commercial radio like that, corporate commercial radio like that, advertisers want to know why, how do you how you're justifying your cost of advertising. Well, here it is. Here's the Nielsen ratings. Well, the Nielsen ratings are bogus, but that's all they got to go by. So there you have it. You know, everything is skewed, folks. Everything is a lie in this country. So, you know, I do encourage people, take five minutes a day, pick a scumbag, call them up, and, uh, you know, let them know what you think. Be polite. Don't get yourself arrested or anything. But let them know, I'm dissatisfied. I'm dissatisfied with your performance, and here's why. And go on for two, three minutes. You know, and uh, it might not do anything. But hey, so what? It's five minutes. And if enough people do it, it will start to have an effect. And where you live, really, honestly, folks, start getting together now Get somebody who will challenge your Republican incumbent. I don't care about the Democrats because they're all communists, and I really don't care what happens to the Democratic Party. But the Republican Party, really, under our system, unless we can get third parties going, fourth parties, fifth parties, sixth parties, and that's really what we need. We need multiple parties, not just three. No, 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 no. We need, like, seven or eight parties. Hey, This is a nation of over 300 million people. I think we can have seven different points of view in this country, don't you? Of course. But no, no, that's not allowed. Two. You've got two choices because that's what we can control. Wow. All right, well, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a few. Got a good mind to give up to and go shopping day. I've got a good mind to give up to Shopping, 
Few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC didn't use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. <laughs> shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Get confused, hang it on. 
by going into the chat room, uh, or you can call in 855-566-3738, and uh, you'll get on the air that way. Uh, let's see, it's still the 27th of February, it is Friday, it's 2015, and it is about 1243 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. So, there you go, there you have it. There it is. Now, look, I know some of you out there are calling. You do right. You do take the five minutes. You don't make a big deal about it. You just go ahead and do it because, hey, you know what? Look at it this way, too. It may make you feel better. 
you know, it might not do anything. You know, look, there's morons out there that actually buy dolls and stuff to yell at to make themselves feel better because, golly, you really wouldn't want to yell at the people that are actually pissing you off now, would you? Of course you would. And you think I'm kidding? People really do stuff like that, okay? Why? Because it makes them feel better. It accomplishes nothing to yell at a doll, okay? And it may accomplish nothing to tell your congressman what a dirtbag liar you think he is. But it may, if enough people did it, and it probably will make you feel better, okay? It sure will make you feel better than sitting there complaining to me Okay, because I, I'll tell you right now, I don't want to hear it. Anyway, oh, to the songs. The Room got the second song there because I played it quite a bit, and it's a uh, very famous song, uh, you know, uh, Yardbirds and uh, Led Zeppelin. They, they made it very famous, did a good job with it, but it's not their song. Okay, it is Jake Holmes. Okay. That's who it was right there, Jake Holmes. And the room got that pretty good, pretty good. But they missed the first one. They missed the first one. I'm surprised because I played it before. I play this guy a lot. It is Peter Green of the original real Fleetwood Mac. That's right. Do you know why he named it Fleetwood Mac? Because Peter Green named it that. Uh, Mick Fleetwood and uh, oh, the other guy, McPherson or whatever his name is, I, I, I forget. But those are the two main guys in Fleetwood Mac. And uh, now, but Peter Green named it that. Because he said, well, you know, eventually I'm going to move on because, you know, he was a real talent okay you know he knew he wasn't going to play what he was playing the rest of his life he was going to move on he was going to experiment he was going to you know because he he he's man an axe man and, and a songwriter extraordinaire and a good front man so he said you know i want to they were friends and he was like i want to leave these guys something you know i want them to have something when i move on you know that hey this is their band Pretty nice guy, I'd say. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, it's uh, Peter Green. Look it up, folks. If you like blues, that kind of thing. Uh, by the way, you know, uh, you might not know this is a little bit of trivia. You know, Black Magic Woman that Santana made famous as though it was his? Well, no, uh-uh. Peter Green wrote that, Okay. That's a Fleetwood Mac song, uh, a real Fleetwood Mac song. Anyway, let's get on to some stuff. Oh, boy, more stuff. Well, where did we get over here? Oh, yes, that's right. You were just bent over the hood uh, by Congress once again on the illegal immigration thing that the Republicans promised to take care of. And, of course, you know, they caved one more time. Yep. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, oh, yeah. Let's go to net neutrality, shall we? Listen, 
I'm going to go through here because this is a, a nice little article. Seven reasons net neutrality is a threat to your freedom. Okay, and I'm going to go through these seven things. But before I do that, I want to point out how really, really simple. Okay, pay attention, pass this on, because it's very simple for Congress to fix this for you if they just would. All Congress needs to do is either write an amendment to the uh, Communications Act or write a new law. A nice, short, and sweet law. I know. They could probably get their monkey assistant to uh, scribble it out for them. It states basically, in whatever kind of legal BS they want to put it in, that the Internet, by whatever names they officially call it, is not lawfully to be considered as part of the, uh, what would you call it, Communications Act, not part of, not a public utility. There you go. There, that's even simpler. It is not lawfully to ever be considered a public utility. End of story, period, send it off. Do you know what that does? That takes the FCC's authority to regulate out of the picture. Now, you might say, well, yeah, you know, it might get through the House and it might get through the Senate, but uh, Obama will veto it because actually this is an Obama law. Obama illegally influenced so-called independent agency of the FCC to do this. Their hands are all over it. And, and you know, Congress is going to waste their stinking time investigating when really they ought to just, you know, just write this simple law. It is unlawful for the Internet to be considered or construed in any way, shape, or form to be a public utility, period. End of sentence, goodbye. There's no, there, there's no uh, way around that. That takes the FCC's jurisdiction away from them. Now, so it gets to Obama's desk, and he says, I'm vetoing this. Really? Well, you know what? Guess what? Congress can overrule vetoes, and I, in this case, would suggest that they did, because here's the deal. Now, you Republican dirtbags out there in Congress, you listen up, because you're always complaining that the youth of America thinks you're just a bunch of stuffy, stuffy old criminals, and you are, okay? But they have this delusion in their head that the, that the Democrat liars are, are some sort of hip, you know, cool guys, when – no – they're just old, stuffy criminals just like you, okay? But hence, young and dumb. See, when you're young and dumb, you just don't realize these things until you're like 35 or 40, right? Then you start catching a clue about stuff. So you can't really blame them. It's the way it was for me and you and everybody else. It's the way it is for them. So play to what you know, folks. You want the young kids to think you're cool and hip and you're there for them? Well, you know what? Protect the only thing that they see as valuable in this world, and that is the Internet. I'm telling you, if the Republican Party gets up there and says, you know what? We're writing a law, taking this away from the FCC. We're not letting you do this, and Obama vetoes it, there will be an uproar 
from the young in this country, and the Republicans will just have got themselves a whole bunch of young supporters out there, you know, and then comes the idea, well, I mean, if they're willing to protect the Internet, I guess it can't be all bad. Maybe I should start listening to them. Hey, dimwits, you know what? Do you want the young people to ever vote for you again? You seem to be chasing the Mexicans real hard. Oh, you want them to vote? They're not even allowed to vote. They're not legal here. But yet somehow you're trying to get their vote when they're not legally allowed to vote. How's that work? But the young people, oh, yeah, you better go for them. And the best way to do it is to protect something they value. And the young people value the Internet. Simple law. It is unlawful for any government agency or entity to consider or otherwise designate the Internet as a public utility. Period. That veto could be overruled because all the little Democrat senators and congressmen who want to support Obama would be getting their phones and their emails lit up by, guess who, their young supporters saying, hey, you got to do this. You all need to get together to protect the Internet. But will they do it? Huh. I wouldn't hold my breath if I were you, but, uh, you know, it's worth calling them up. You want something to tell them? Tell them that. Now, to believe that I'm the only one in the world that could come up with such an idea so simple that would actually work, and they haven't, is ridiculous. Of course they have, so why aren't they doing it? Ah, therein lies the rub, huh? So, Number one of the seven reasons net neutrality is a threat to your freedom. One, the FCC new rules are heavy-handed government takeover of the Internet. Under the new rules, broadband Internet is classified as a public utility for the first time ever. This gives the government wide control of private corporate companies like, well, corporations like Comcast, Verizon, and Time Warner Cable, reducing their incentives to invest in their respective networks. Without this investment, broadband technology will develop more slowly and prices will be higher for consumers. Two, net neutrality subsidizes large companies like Netflix and Fedbook who don't need to be subsidized. In November, it was widely reported that Netflix alone accounts for over 35% of all Internet traffic in the United States. If broadband providers were able to charge Netflix a small fee for the high volume of data they send, they could pass that money on to consumers in the form of lower monthly bills. But, of course, folks, they never would. And the fact of the matter is Netflix and FedBook are already paying for the bandwidth, okay? Look, this is how it works. Uh, you got an Internet uh, connection, right? They tell you, hey, you're going to get this much up and this much down, and there you go. Well, what if you want to use more? Well, you can buy more. Oh, gee, I got a T1 line. It gets 1.5 up, 1.5 down. Guess what? Oh, what if that's not enough for me? What if I want to do more? Well, then I can go buy a T3. But you know what? That's going to cost me like five times as much as a T1 because it's about, four, it's about six times more speed. Do you get it? 
They're already paying for the bandwidth, folks. You don't get to run Netflix off a dial-up, okay? You have to buy the bandwidth. These companies just think, well, uh, we want more because, man, you're making a lot of money, and we want some of it. Oh, oh, too bad. The new rules subvert democracy and the will of the people. CBS reported that two in three Americans are opposed to the idea of government regulating the Internet. Other polls show the opposition is even higher. See, folks, see, folks, if Congress, you know, hey, two out of three, what is that? You know, over 66% of the people, you start calling Congress and you start telling them, you better, you better, you better overturn his veto. You know what? They may listen. The new regulations will stifle free speech. Lee Goodman, former chairman and current commissioner of the Federal Election Commission, said that the government takeover of the Internet will chill political speech. The government will regulate the content, and uh, specifically the political content, that American people can both post online to express their own political opinions and the political content and information that people can access from the Internet. Five, the, uh, the rulemaking process was corrupted by the White House. President Obama and White House staffers used back-channel meetings to pressure Chairman Wheeler into creating the strongest possible net neutrality rules over the more moderate approach he originally intended. In this way, the White House operated like a parallel version of the FCC itself. Six, the commission's vote wasn't transparent. The new set of rules ushered in by Thursday's 3-2 vote were not provided to the public for comment. Ahead of the vote, one of the agency's five commissioners tweeted a picture of the 317-page plan that was barred from showing he was barred from showing the public. Even after the vote, the rules will not be published publicly for many days. Oh, by the way, that commissioner, the Republican black, oh, did I say black? Yeah. Ooh, oops. Yeah. The new rules will hurt the right to privacy and further empower the federal government to spy on its citizens. After Edward Snowden leaked the NSA secret prison surveillance program in 2013, it became clear that the federal government is interested in snooping around in the private affairs of its citizens. Now that the federal government controls the web, its ability to spy will only increase. Folks, listen. Simple law, simple law, simple law. No government agency or entity of any kind, it is unlawful for them to designate or consider the Internet as a public utility, period. End of law. There it is, nice and simple. It's unlawful. You can't do it. So uh, you can't make any regulation saying it is because it's unlawful to do so. And if Obama wants to veto it, deal with 66, over 66% of the American people that want it. Come on. You want the young people Republicans? You've got to do something for them. You've got to show them that you're willing to protect something for them, even if you're only lying and faking and doing it for political uh, gain for yourself. Come on. Do it out of selfish self-interest. Huh? You're good at that. Anyway, we got to go. It's Friday. The show will be replayed tonight. So if you're listening then, hey, I thank you for listening as much as the live show. Financial survival's coming up next. 
don't go anywhere. Every chance I get to hear exactly what's going on with the voice of the Christian resistance. Unabashedly cutting through the rhetoric by exposing the hard topics facing our society and world. A lot of the other news media don't pick up the news items like he does. And bringing to light the enemies of freedom who are out to steal your rights, your children, and enslaving you. You really get the truth out. I can tune into your show and hear the unvarnished truth. Thank you. This is What's Right, What's Left with Pastor Ernie Sanders. Good evening and welcome to another edition of What's Right, What's Left. Uh, folks, we have a, a very serious problem. I just got a phone call a few minutes ago. We have a two-month-old baby named Autumn, and uh, she is in very, very, very serious condition. And uh, her mother called and wanted me to, to run up to the hospital and uh, pray over her. And I said, I'll, I can do better than that. I can get the whole listening audience out there. Uh, praying for little Autumn. And so, folks, we're calling upon you. I know you're listening out there. And remember what Scripture says, that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, just put yourself in uh, this mother's position. If it was your little child, your little two-year-old, would you want the people out there to join in prayer? So I'm asking you, I'm calling upon you uh, to agree with me as we pray uh, for this little two-month-old baby, Autumn. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we want to hold this precious little child up to you, Lord. We know how much you love the children. And, uh, Father God, the doctors have done all they can. Uh, they've done their best. But, Lord, all true healings we know come from you. So we're calling up on you right now. And, and as you hear the prayers of the people out here, asking, Lord, that you would... Touch this child. And we know that heaven's full of babies. We just know it. And we're asking you, and Lord, we know that your will is a perfect will. But for this little child, we ask, Lord, that you would touch her, that you would heal her, and that she might be used someday in a mighty way, Father God, a mighty way uh, to bring glory, that she might be a, a real... Well, a real Christian soldier in some way. So, Lord, again, we ask, Father, that you would bless this little child in every area where she could receive that blessing. Heads you around about, Father. Lord, we ask that you be a comfort to, to, to her parents, Lord, that are there with her. These things we ask, Father God, in the precious name of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, tonight, folks, uh, as end-time prophecies unfold right before our eyes, right before our very eyes, uh, we see the Antichrist system in full swing. 
all of the God-given divine institutions such as marriage and family and human government and the church, they're all under attack from every unclean entity. And so we're going to take a look tonight. Uh, the title of the, the message was The Song of Solomon. And we're going to take a look in Scripture about the marriage and here uh, a natural normal marriage that God gives a, a beautiful example of this with the Song of Solomon and we're going to start though first in Daniel chapter 7 looking where all of, of this is coming from this Antichrist system this uh, what they this sodomy that they're trying to shove and trying to push upon you we have the radical sodomite movement here that everywhere you turn, uh, they're trying to force this ugly, ugly sin upon the people. Uh, here in, in Cleveland, we have Sodomite Hall now, and they had the Sodomite Games. And in other words, it's uh, they're literally begging God to judge them and bring his wrath down upon them. But because they've been given over to a reprobate mind, they don't, they don't even know it. They have no clue. And so let's start tonight. In Daniel chapter 7, and, and as we take a look at where this is coming from. And I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit and in the midst of my body. And the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all of this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of these things. These great beasts, which are four, four kings, which shall arise up out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, seemingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up and before him. Three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose, whose look was more stout than his fellows. Well, that word there, stout, is referring to that his words and his parents were very pompous. That's the same word that we use as pompous here. And I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. This is the Antichrist. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all the kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of the kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change the times and the laws, and they shall be given unto his hand, unto a time and a times and a dividing of times. Well, I've said that uh, Obama has every characteristic and attribute of the Antichrist that I can find in Scripture. And here, I mean, these fit 
perfectly with him. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away their dominion to consume and destroy it unto the end. And the kingdoms and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. But I like that word because you see that what he's talking about is an absolute. He's he's making it clear. God has spoken. In other words, God has spoken these things, and so that's the whole end of the matter. It's going to come down because God always does what he says he'll do. As he says, I have said it and I will do it. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cognitations much troubled me, and my continence changed in me, but I, I kept the matter in my heart. Well, here it's an interesting thing because we read that he says, And the ten horns of the kingdom are ten kings that shall rise, and another shall rise after them, and shall be diverse from the first, and shall subdue. Well, let me go back one. And ten, uh, and shall subdue three kings. Shall subdue the three kings. Well, uh, that's an interesting thing too, because, uh, and I, I'm not saying that Obama is the Antichrist. I'm just saying he certainly has the characteristics and the attributes here. Why? Well, he had uh, Egyptian President Mubarak removed. Uh, Libya's Gaddafi. And, and folks, you better understand that abomination, the, the man of great sin, was behind this. He was beaten to death in the streets like a dog. And now Obama is, is working hard to remove uh, Syrians' Assad. Well, the very first divine institution under attack by the Antichrist forces is marriage. And uh, this was done by Satan himself. It was the very first institution that he attacked. And if we go over to Genesis chapter 3, and in Genesis chapter 3, we start in verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, well, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the, the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam said unto his wife, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I, I was afraid because I was naked, and, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee thou shalt not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? 
And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And he shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And to Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of the wife, and eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and also in thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and dust shalt thou return. Well, here now, it's interesting that uh, two clay seals found in archaeological digs at Nineveh may reflect the story of the fall of Adam and Eve. One seems to show the man and the woman being tempted by the serpent and the other expulsion from the garden. Satan's sin led him to desire to be as God, and, and this was the desire he placed in Eve's mind. In fact, when one questions or changes the word of God, he is, for all practical purpose, making himself to be God. Satan's deceptions are always, always most effective when they have just a little bit, just a little bit of truth in them. Through eating the forbidden fruit, will Adam and Eve indeed come to know good and evil, but not, no, not as gods, not at all. Well, here we see that Satan targeted the very first divine institution for destruction. He failed. For 6,000 years, men have been marrying women. Well, now as we're getting close uh, to the return, as, as we see that uh, we're even at the doorstep of probably the coming tribulation period. Uh, things are escalating. We see Satan knows his time is short, and he's wanting to bring as many to the pit with him as possible. And so he rose up with this sin that God's word, the Bible, calls an abomination, and that's the, the sin of sodomy. Well, God made it very clear that when he gave us the institution of the family, one man for one woman for one lifetime. And he made it very clear, too, if we go back to Genesis chapter 2. And he says this, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman, and brought her into the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, 
and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Well, here now we see, again, God made one man for one woman originally. And at a later time, because of uh, all of the wars, and there were so many widows out there, the, the great abundance of widows, he allowed for men to have more than one wife. In fact, for a little while it was actually commanded because uh, there were so many widows with no one to care for them. Well, if we go to the Songs of Solomon, and we read the Songs the very first verse, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Well, before I even go any further on that, I want to take you over to First Kings. Because now, this was written when Solomon was a young man, just uh, becoming the king. He was just at this point becoming the king. And this is before Solomon, with, with all of his great wisdom, well, he fell victim to the wiles of the devil and the ways of the world. But prior to that is when he had written this. And let's see what the Word of God has to say about that. If we go over to 1 Kings in chapter 4, and we start in verse 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceedingly much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, more than Ethan and Ezraite and Heman and Chalcol and Darda, the sons of Maholan. And his fame was in all the nations around about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs. And his songs were 1,005. And he spake of trees, and from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even into the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from the kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. Well, Jewish scholars have for a long recognized Solomon as the primary author of the Proverbs and the Ecclesiastics and, of course, the Songs of Solomon and possibly even some of the, the Psalms, the uniquely practical wisdom expressed and these books is consistent with the biblical testimonies concerning his wisdom. Now the portions of his writing now recognized as divinely inspired scripture were, according to the summation in this verse, only a fraction, only a fraction of his writings. Well, the unique greatness of Solomon's wisdom was noted by the Lord when he compared Solomon's wisdom is almost equal to his own in Matthew twelve forty two. 
Well, believe me, there's a, a big difference when the, for the Lord to say almost it's, it's got to be a huge difference. Ethan the Ezraite, well, I think he's mentioned in First Chronicle 2 6. Ethan was the author of Psalm 89, and Heman, his brother, of Psalm 88. The term Ezraite possibly refers to their father, Zero. And going back to Solomon, and in chapter 2, or chapter 1, and in verse 2 through 8, we read Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy lover is better than wine. Now, this is the Shulamite woman. This is Solomon's uh, wife that he is, that is speaking now. And uh, this is a, a real love story. But now, in this love story here, Solomon, who is both the shepherd and the king, has fallen in love with the Shulamite maiden, and she had fallen in love with him. Now, the Jews uh, took it as an allegory uh, of Jehovah and Israel, Jehovah being the king and Israel his wife. And of course, in the early church, uh, they took it as a type of the love of Christ for his bride, the church. And we read, Because of the Savior of thy good ointments, thy name is an ointment poured forth before, therefore do the virgins love thee. Draw me, we will turn, we will run after thee, and, and the king hath brought me unto his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine and Upright love thee. I am black, but calmly, O oh, you daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me, and my mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyard. But my own vineyard have I not kept. Well, the bride here is dark of skin because of working along in the sun in the family vineyards. So that she looked like a Kedar native descending of Ishmael and the desert Arabians. Nevertheless, her beauty had brought her to young Solomon's attention. And they soon fell deeply in love and Solomon took her as his bride. The daughters of Jerusalem were possibly the virgins serving as attendants in the royal palace. The young bride was dark of skin because of long hours in the sun working in the family vineyard. She was almost certainly an Ammonitess named Nema, as explained in the introduction. Undoubtedly, however, she had been one to faith in the true God and was not one of the many pagan wives married to Solomon when he was much older. Solomon, like his father David, seems to have had the heart of a shepherd and loved to spend time in the fields with his many flocks. It was there that he met the chosen bride, and she also had learned to love him. In the Song of Solomon's 1, 2, and 7, she is searching for him and speaking about him to her companions. 
This, perhaps, is a type of young believer out of fellowship with Christ and seeking forgiveness and restoration. She says, Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks and thy companions? If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock and feed thy kids beside the shepherd. Well, here in verses 9, as we go through here, I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. You know, today, folks, I got to tell you, I think uh, if you were to say to a woman that, uh, and compare a woman to a horse, well, uh, a very good possibility she may become very offended by that. But what was going on here in those days, you got to remember, in Solomon's, uh, with his stables, why those horses, they had uh, these all of these these decorations, these bridles on them, I mean, they were decked out uh, to really look handsome. And what Solomon was was saying when he was comparing her to uh, the horses, that the reference here was her beauty, her strength, and her grace. Now, Solomon is saying that his bride has the sweet smell of camphor, which came from the henna blossom. Thy cheeks are calmly with rows of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. We will make the borders of gold with studs of silver. While the king sitteth at his table, my spartanup sendeth forth the smell thereof. Well, here now, a bundle of mirrors, my well-beloved, and to me he shall lie all night between my breasts. My love is unto me as the cluster of camphor in the vineyards of Engedi. Well, here now, the bride calls Solomon my beloved 32 times in the book. Just so the Lord Jesus be the only deeply one loved by all his redeemed ones, she is speaking in the Song of Solomon, delighting in their union, perhaps their wedding night. And Solomon replies with the words of love in the Song of Solomon. As we go through here, verses 15 through 17, these verses, like the entire book, are, among other things, a divine testimonial to God's approval on the physical as well as the emotional and spiritual aspects of marital love. God created Adam and Eve for each other, and Christ endorsed the lifelong union of husband and wife. And again, we, we want to remember that God gave us the divine institution of marriage in the family. And when he did that, he gave us the definition. And the definition of marriage, no matter what political correctness does, and what all these black robe tyrants have to say, uh, God has ruled. And this is called, this, this law, if you will, 
is called settled law. This is settled law. Now, the opposition has no problem at all if, when uh, they're trying to win a case and trying to keep the the wicked evil won't be weighed from being overturned. They'll, they'll continue to say it's settled law. But they refuse to acknowledge the fact that God gave us the institution of marriage in the family. And when God gives settled law, that law is settled. For 6,000 years, men have married women. It's the natural thing to do, the very natural thing to do. So here now, if we start, I wanted to pick it up. I beloved be unto me as a cluster of camphor in the vineyards of Engadi. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair, thou hast dove's eyes. Behold, thou art fair, my beloved, yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green, meaning that there's a lot of life that's going to come forth out of the wedding bed. The beams of our house is cedar, and our rafters fir. Well, here, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 13 for just a minute. In Hebrews chapter 13, we read this in verse 4. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. Now, he's talking about marriage. Natural marriage is what God gave us, a man and a woman. But whoremongers show adulterers God will judge. Now, let me just tell you this. Uh, here, as God only God gave us the de definition of marriage, and that being the union of one man and one woman in him for one lifetime, he also gave us the definition of what today they refer to as same-sex marriage, which is a political correct term uh, for fornication and an abomination. That is right. It's fornication. Now, that, again, God has ruled, and we're talking the Supreme Court of the universe, and all of these black-robed tyrants and all of these these states that are prostituting themselves against the will of the people for their personal gain. Let me tell you something. You can take this to the bank. Every one of those black robe prostitutes and tyrants will someday be on their knees with their head bowed for the Supreme Court of the universe. Starting in Chapter 2, Verse 1, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Well, uh, these terms are often applied to Christ by the modern writers, yet it was actually the bride who was speaking here saying that she is in effect really just like uh, two very common wildflowers. The bridegroom, however, rejects the comparison saying that she is like a lily among the thorns. In verse 2, as the lily among the thorns, so is my love among the daughters. In other words, he's comparing her to the other women. And he's saying, and, and these women would be the palace virgins. He's saying, 
they're like thorns compared to you. You're like a, a, a flower between the thorns, amongst the thorns here. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under the shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Well, here, this is an interesting thing, because uh, she is comparing him now to the other men. And she is saying that he is like a cultivated and kept apple tree that's pruned and kept and, and that uh, is made to bear much fruit. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.